0: Hi, I'm Liam O'Rourke, and the frustration of losing last week's podcast was immediately softened with the news that Alberto Del Rio has been suspended for 30 days and may leave WWE altogether in mid-September. Don't you worry, Eva Marie, by the sounds of things, none of us will be needing Adderall for much longer.
1: I'm Carl Jones, and thanks to my seniority, my debut predates syphilis, herpes, gonorrhea, genital warts, basically all the STDs that Sasha Banks would insist that Kieran get tested for before she touches it.
2: I'm Kieran O'Rourke. Just to let you in on a little wager, me and Carl Jones have got. Today is the West Midlands derby between my Wolverhampton Wanderers and Carl's Birmingham City. If Birmingham win, I will be paying for Carl's ticket to WrestleMania next year. If Wolves win, Carl is getting pictures of his sister in the shower. Tune in next week to see how this goes. This is the panel for the 94th Squared Circle Gazette Radio,
0: and you can hear us talk about the best and worst debuts in wrestling history next. Welcome to the 94th Squared Circle Gazette Radio, I am Liam O'Rourke, alongside Carl Jones,
1: Party Over Here,
0: and Kieran O'Rourke, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we are back this week, it is the second time I've said it's the 94th Squared Circle Gazette Radio, we did have a show last week, uh, Against the Grain, part 2, that we had uh, recorded, we had it all lined up, and unfortunately the file was contaminated for those of you who have asked, uh, and we are unable to air that show, so maybe one day we'll be able to salvage that file, Kieran, what do you think?
2: I'm booking a week off work in, uh, I think... Next month, yeah, in yeah. next month. So I'll have a week maybe to dick around, and try and recover that lost audio. Yeah, it, ex- it can be done. It just it's gonna be labor- a laborious task. It can be done. It can be done. We're gonna give it a go. All hope is not lost, ladies and gentlemen. But just are. like Sasha Banks, even though she's married, it <laughs> can still be done. <laughs> All hope is not
0: lost. We are back this week to talk about the best and worst debuts in wrestling history, or as we uh, we threw out to you on the forums and on the Facebook page at Facebook.com/scgradio, the most intriguing or underwhelming debut. So as to uh, not narrow cast ourselves. Into best and worst. Got a lot of really good feedback from uh, from all of you fine folks, the loyal listeners. Uh, just a quick programming note for the next couple of weeks, though. Next week, I'm very excited about the show. It's the first trial we've done in a while. We're uh, returning to SCG Court. As it is indeed the trial of The Undertaker, long-awaited, much-anticipated. He is going on charge for a misrepresentation of stature and fraud uh, for his level of contribution to the success of WWE. Myself and Old Man Jones are the prosecution. The Dream Team. Going up against defense specialist Kieran O'Rourke. And uh, for the first time, Matt Holt is donning the uh, sheepskin wig. To uh, join you on this one, Kieran, of course, Judge Chase will preside. Judge Chase,
2: which which is a concern. <laughs> um, that's if we make it that far. Because I just want to drop this in. As you say, we've had these technical glitches uh, earlier in, the, in in the week with the, the the previous show. As we record this at quarter past two on Saturday afternoon, in forty five minutes, my beloved Wolverhampton Wonders and Carl's you know, the team he stuck with for life, Birmingham City. <laughs> I, I go in head-to-head at St Andrews, and I'm just saying, Carl's got a bottle of beer in his hand, I've got my fist, this thing might turn into a Diaz-McGregor <laughs> press conference before too long. So we'll see if as, the, as uh, the show goes.
0: And uh, of course, the following week, after the trial, we return to our Monday Night War timeline episode, talking about September and October of 1998, which I really cannot wait to get to. All the notes from the Wrestling Observer Newsletters of Time, and my God, is this going to be a great show.
1: Yeah, these these re-watches of Nitro at this point are really something else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But for now, let's get to the best and worst debuts in wrestling history. We're going to kick it off right now with uh, one of the ones I actually, in the thread, said maybe you can steer clear of this one unless you feel it's appropriate for the most intriguing, but of course it has to be mentioned, you heard the music off the top of the show there. Ian86 on the UK fan forum says, Chris Jericho, one of my favourite WCW guys at the time, Greenberg and Ralphus, man of a thousand and four holds the conspiracy victim, he was great entertainment, but essentially a silly mid card act. So what were the WWF going to do with him? More of the same? Turn him into a serious character? I could see him coming in a verbal sparring with a, with someone, maybe the Road Dogg or Double J, and then getting lost in the shuffle. The countdown was on. We all knew who it was for, but when exactly would it hit? The natural cynic in me wondered how they were going to cock it up and ruin what, for me personally, was the most exciting company switch for some time. Then it's Monday night, the time is ticking down, and The Rock is in the ring cutting a promo. Surely not. They wouldn't, would they? Oh, they did. Welcome to Raw is Jericho! Okay, he ended up playing with the IC title in China shortly afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) But the intrigue around the debut itself was the biggest I can remember. As great as it was, I think the memory of this has hurt his subsequent re-debuts, although I definitely wouldn't change it. Remember when we got excited for the return of Jericho and he turned up in the Christmas tree jacket, walked around and left, and left us all head scratching? Was it really rubbish, or did the Y2J debut mean we were expecting something of the same level again? Uh, Daminator on TPWW also says, one that's right up there for me is Jericho's WWF debut. Rock is in the ring in one of his typical promos, and all of a sudden the countdown clock pops up on the Tron, hits zero, and out comes Jericho. Jericho then proceeds to steal a page right out of Rock's own book, and lays the verbal smackdown on Rock. Truly a classic debut, and a textbook example of how to get anyone well on their way to being a future Hall of Famer. And a crowbro on the F4W board says, I'll still give the Jericho response, because that's one of my most vivid memories. Aside from it being awesome, because I had no clue it was going to be him, plus I had no idea what to expect from that Millennium clock, the back and forth with the Rock was super perb, and it was also intriguing because I wonder how he'd fit in with the WWF after years of being in WCW. So uh, that's the first one there, we've got to kick it off. Chris Jericho, certainly one of the most anticipated uh, from me personally.
1: Yeah, certainly what I'd call a better representation of a millennium man than uh, old Sid Vicious was.
0: <laughs> well, is still 88 now, I believe.
1: <laughs> and counting. <laughs> this is one that's always been soured a little bit for me. Not, not that, that that one night itself was... Was a, a brilliant debut, and then the, the, you know, the crowd red hot for it, and it's just sort of disappointing in the sense of he's given this platform where he does brilliantly well for himself, you know, going verbally sparring with The Rock, to then as as the one he made a touch on there. Unfortunately, he does quickly get lost in the shuffle.
0: Very quickly, you know,
1: it, it's being shown up by the Road dog in a verbal joust at SummerSlam to sort of a you know a nothing feud there. I found the stuff with. Think quite funny, but, um, but trying again, to recreate the Raul's thing, but again not befitting where where you were, where you're hoping to see Jericho positioned early on. And, it's not know, even on, though Mercy. Yeah, and and then the you know the lesson about the the China bobcore fiasco <laughs> that followed <laughs> in the ensuing months, the better. But as as a as a one-off day, you know, it it was a great introduction. I just wish they could have really sort of fired on all cylinders straight out the gate. I might be wrong, Lynn, You might be able to correct me here wasn't part of the problem coming out the gate something about Vince not liking his facials?
0: I think it was more and that Triple H didn't like his hair colour. Oh, <laughs> as, right, okay. as the story goes, is that yeah, obviously Triple H didn't like the fact that he was coming in as a hot heel working against The Rock, and uh, he quickly didn't, and then he was losing <laughs> to Triple H's girlfriend, so that's how that goes. Uh, Kieran, you're on the same boat as me here in terms of loving Jericho in WCW oh, yeah. uh, and, and badly wanting him to go to the oh, WWF. Yeah. And just, I remember when we saw that countdown clock, we didn't really think too much of it. We knew that Jericho was signed. You told me that on WWE.com they'd actually announced that Jericho was signed weeks before. So that it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when, and we were hoping that this could be it. And I remember both of us just... When, when, when the whole thing's happening and then when Jericho flips and comes on the screen much like the fans in Chicago oh, yeah. we fucking jumped out of our oh, yeah! It's like, yes it's Jericho
2: yeah. <laughs> but to put this into context so we've, I know, without saying, trying to sound repetitive which, so the tribal mentality of the war WCW horrendously letting us down at this point that Kind of the mystique of Vince being able to create stars. Mm. Um, We talked about before, like the essential of obviously Austin came previously. Rock coming up through the ranks, and talked about on on previous timeline shows about you know was another one. It's like he's going to be the next Rock. He's going to get the opportunity. (laughs) The flip of that was in WWE where there's no upward mobility. You've got Jericho screaming out to be pushed and featured because he's just you know he's breath of fresh air in that mid card. Um, and he was, he was going over, obviously, in the history of Jericho in WCW. It doesn't need retelling. We wanted him to be put in a place where he's going to get have a chance to, you know, grow and become himself and be, be used the way uh, we uh, we hoped he would be. Really, because he was WCW's rock in many respects, yeah, he didn't have yeah. The personality, and then so when yeah, you know, we hoped he'd go over. We hoped he'd go to you go to the F to uh, to uh, get his chance and be. Positioned like we thought he would be, and yeah, that first night he comes in. and I think the pop was because from us and obviously the fans as well. Was yeah, we knew it, we knew he was going, we didn't know exactly how he's going to be used. Is he going to be used in this high profile way? And then when the name hits, it's like, fuck, it's real, yeah, it's so, actually
0: happening now. Yeah,
2: shit is on now, he's in there, right? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And to take some away from Triple H, and probably what Triple H played into with Vince is that this guy was a mid card. A Mick Carter and WCW so why we using him as a main event straight away mm, yeah. it, 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 probably at that point in time even then 99 it was still in, in their heads when they didn't really need to they could have the biggest slap in the face of WCW would have been pushing Jericho making money off him, saying look you fucking oh, you idiots, did, you, idiots. Yeah, yeah. You, you old boys holding down yeah. really, but to the, to, I know, to the non-Smart Mark audience that's you know probably a bit of a I can see what they consider will, will, they, will they buy it will it just be mm. a, a, a big card joke, the, the, the,
0: the flip of Jeff Jarrett, right? Exactly,
2: on. exactly. Um, and then when you got started on the level of you know, Rock, is you know stratospherically huge. Obviously, there was no plan, I guess, to really, no. really go forward in that direction. So it was just a debut. So in that respect, I wouldn't say they dropped, they dropped it or they backpedaled on Jarrett. It was just, it was a great debut. It was way. Maybe it tricked us into thinking that's how he was going to be positioned that's, from that's the start. That's was, yeah. So, you know, I, I, you've got to look at it from a holistic point of view. Ugh. um A perfect brew, if yes. you will. Yes. So it's fantastic. Day. You
0: don't get that often, and that's why I think no, this one really stands not. out. Uh, let's go to the uh, the other side of the coin here on the debut. Stevie G1980 in the UK fan form says, From April 1996 to the debut in September, we got Glacier is coming and Blood Runs Cold promos in WCW. Come September with Big Bubba in the ring, and we get blue lighting and snow falling from the arena... Out he comes! The biggest Mortal Kombat knockoff ever. So good was his debut and subsequent match on Nitro, they take him off TV for ten weeks to tweet the gimmick. It took ten weeks to work out that matches you can barely see under blue lighting isn't a good thing. According to Ray Lloyd, uh, who played Glacier, in a 2000 interview with the Hannibal Courier Post, production costs for Glacier's entrance amounted to nearly half a million dollars, while the costume and armour designed by Atlanta-based AFX Studios cost 35 grand. (laughs) Stoic Ray Lloyd as well. Uh, While having, what I remember, two decent matches, one against Mortis at Uncensored, and tagging with Ernest Miller against Mortis on Rocket Bash at the beach... That's two
1: more than I remember.
0: (laughs) ...was pretty awful, and to quote the great James Mitchell, had the personality of a slow-moving block of ice. Uh, This was nothing more than another expensive Eric Bischoff martial arts wet dream. At least Mortis and Canyon... Sorry, at least Mortis slash Canyon and James Mitchell were the best things to come out of it. uh, Craig Atkinson on the Facebook page says, Dude, this entire podcast can be summed up in one word, glacier." End of discussion. No one had the build-up he had. The whole Blood Runs Cold videos, which went on for about six months before he came in, seemingly making him look like the Second Coming. Then the entrance, fucking amazing. There was snow falling, lasers firing, and a computer game character came to life storming the ring. This was gonna be fucking amazing! Incredible, nothing short of a badass motherfucker kicking the ever-living shit out of anyone and everyone. Then Glacier wrestled. Oh dear. Then he spoke. Oh dear God! <laughs> Can we have the Shockmaster back within weeks? Uh, he was a jobber and was never heard from again. Ah, WCW, at least you tried. And uh, Norcross R.D. on the FOW board says, uh, "Underwhelming is Glacier, who was coming for months, and instead of Nitro or Saturday Night, debuted on the C Show uh, for on Sunday." which actually was against the, I think uh, Power Butcher mentioned It was against like, the Gambler or something like that, like some lose after all these months of Blood Runs Cold and uh, all that stuff. He comes in and he just wrestles a jobber on WCW Pro, <laughs> and nobody knows. So yeah, Glacier. We kind of uh, we talked about Glacier in our like War timeline shows previously about how looking back those vignettes looked a hell of a lot cheaper than I remember them <laughs> looking at the time. They look so bush league now. Yeah, they they do not stand up well against the test of time. Not at all. Um, Glacier did actually stick around longer than uh, than his indicator there. Than he should have. And and then he should have. But uh, he I mean he was there for a while. He ended up turning heel and he just jobbed him out. Just saw nothing in him. But yeah. This was Bischoff's big thing for what he thought the whole business. Before the NWO came along, he thought that this was the future of wrestling. Was this kind of subdivision, Mortal Combat type thing?
1: Far be it from old Easy to try and uh, piggyback off a good idea elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like you mentioned, watching them in, in retrospect for the for the timeline shows, those vignettes are hideous. Yeah, and the the snowflakes from the sky. I like the music though. Dun dun. Oh. Dun dun. dun. He does it's like, awesome. You know, he was like a, a shit version of Sub Zero out of Running Man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's like it, the, the, the audience it was designed to attract could see through it completely. It's like this is Sub Zero. We all know it's Sub Zero. We, we we yeah we saw that game too, Eric. We know we <laughs> you know what this is. This looks like a cheap knockoff.
1: All those lawsuits flying around. You'll be getting one from Midway and a very shortly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, was there a? Uh, but if you're gonna spend all this time and invest all this money, debuting in such a manner. I'm kind of surprised that, you know, given uh, Bischoff's tendency to kind of book depending on the money
2: invested, if those numbers are true, you'd be surprised that Glacier didn't get like a bigger push out of the gate. One could only surmise that Bischoff himself had soured on it and saw through it by this point. Maybe after six months of vignettes, and he probably had a chance at least watching once in the ring, <laughs> and, uh, and maybe the penny dropped, and there, uh, who knows? Yeah. it's fucking WCW. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even maybe, this maybe, guy, you know? maybe Hogan felt intimidated by by the falling snow and said, "Let's put him on the sea show because he's going to be a big deal." Yes. I, I don't know. Yeah, I honestly can't remember what my emotion was. Uh, maybe you could tell me, Liam, how I <laughs> this. I remember thinking he was shit later. Yeah, but he, if he wasn't around that long, then maybe that was from the start. I, don't mm. know, I, I can't really remember. <laughs> the, the, the only thing I can like, I mark out. The what? only
0: thing I, can, I remember we marked out for the entrance, maybe, yeah. and you wrestled Bubba and I remember you just I think you did like a sidekick I'm you're saying that kick's not like Shawn Michaels. Wow. <laughs> we know where the bar is set, folks. yes um, yeah. Even if it can't earn a green belt at the YMCA. <laughs> no one really remembers the fact that he debuted on the C-Show, do, do they? And barely anyone remembers that he, de- he wrestled Bubba on Nitro either, for that matter. Well, that
1: that is the one thing that's vivid in my memory because I think the only thing I can recall is this, this well, idea. We upset because the boss is, man. This of- idea of yeah, exactly. For fuck's sake, it, was, it was this idea of oh, the boss man's going to lose to Frosty the Snowman. <laughs>
0: Uh, We're well, moving now to Tiger Rick on the UK fan form, who uh, was one of the people who contributed this idea. You say you don't want to be mentioned, but I will anyway. Uh, Bret Hart's WCW debut has to go down as particularly disappointing. After Montreal, I could easily have been wooed by WCW after my hero jumped ship, but his introduction foreshadowed his entire run. Who's the most talked-about person in the business? And that's what they chose to do with him on the biggest show of the year? Then they followed that up with a flare match and build that was better than they counted on and the response was to pretty much sideline both guys right away. Useless.
1: I was going to say, because Starcade's not even his day. No, it's he's it's Nitro. He's before
0: Starcade. Yeah, it's, it's basically the kind of sauntering out on Nitro, saying that he's going to be the special referee and no one knows, like I do, what it's like to get screwed by a referee for the big pop and Tony Schiavone... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: B- Bischoff's half-ass in his promo. Yeah. Brett. Brett, yeah, um, very underwhelming. And um, ironically enough, just before we uh, we started recording, we um, we were catching a, a bit of bit of one of the nitros for the timeline, and it's it's Brett in uh, September of '98, just sort of sauntering out, almost like gut hanging slightly over his uh, <laughs> over his Daisy Dukes, dragging the US title along with no music playing. <laughs>
0: Oh, Brett, what have you becoming in a year? So, so, so very sad. <laughs> it's very sad. Poor Brett. Uh Rick also says, I was never a fan of John Cena's either. I'd gone to be a huge mark for the guy, but when he came out of nowhere with that hideous haircut to challenge Kurt Angle and gurned his way through that terrible ruthless aggression... <laughs> RUTHLESS cat- AGGRESSION! <laughs> <laughs> I thought, who the fuck is this guy? The match was quite good, but it was still,
2: A pretty inauspicious start for one like of the greatest of our time. I think I wasn't really offended. I think, oh, maybe, it maybe I was. Maybe I was. concerned. I think <laughs> I was concerned that it was like the beautiful Kurt Angle was being used to put over this muscle head, yeah, prototype, whatever, yeah, yeah. fucking shit, airdo. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, heard a lot about this a prototype. A l- lot about it. the prototype, and okay. So that's him. Yeah. And uh, make him look good, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's been I remember like, we were raving about it. People were like, raving about the match, and he's just like, that's all Kurt. That's, Kurt that's so <laughs> Kurt. That's, that was laid out. That's a Kurt Angle match for I've seen one. Interesting. And again, much like Jericho came in uh, and then was kind of very quickly kind of shunned to the side and losing to Billy Kidman.
1: Well, that was it. They even, you know, he got the older uh, take a backstage seal of approval. Oh, like, that was now, sick and We know how much that means, and uh, <laughs> we may draw on that next week. <laughs>
0: Uh, and finally, Tiger says last debut to really stun me was probably Goldberg's in WWE. I remember watching Raw on the air uh, Friday night after WrestleMania with my brother. I dozed through half the show because I was knackered and it wasn't thrilling. I was half asleep listening to The Rock do his usual promo when that fucking music hit and I went from comatose to absolutely wired in 0.3 seconds, just stunning. But Dog on the UK fan fanform uh, takes the opposite opinion, says Goldberg was ruined for me because they announced the fucker at WrestleMania the night before. Why do that? It's The Raw after WrestleMania anyway, so it will always have intrigue. Imagine Rocky doing that promo and not having a clue Goldberg was going to come out as it was because they announced Goldberg was coming during WrestleMania it was obvious what was going to happen and it could have been amazing what are your thoughts on Goldberg's uh, first appearance in the WWF Uh,
2: I'm probably down with that last dude Um, yeah I mean the the pop he would have got from me, <laughs> if it'd like, yeah, you imagine you'd it done it's the Jericho standard. That okay, it was, yeah, Jericho was foreshadowed. I don't, that was technically announced, but it was like not to the masses and a level of intrigue there. Maybe different, given that there's only one company now. Yeah, so exactly. It's not the same kind of dealio. But um yeah, you kind of in your head, you okay, you're thinking rocks in the ring. You're gonna have a debut in Goldberg coming out as a surprise. That should be shit out. And it was, it was alright. It was good, but it wasn't. It wasn't what you wanted, it really. It's not something you're never going to watch again. Well, that's the thing. It's like,
0: when I think of like you know you getting Goldberg in the WWF, and you think of like all the possible scenarios oh, yeah. you could debut him in, and this was like that period of time. I mean, they were struggling creatively really badly in 2003, and this is that period where it's like, what is the most bare bones? Guy in the ring does a, does a promo, music hits, new guy comes out and lays him out. It's, like, it's the most uncreative, unimaginative, and this is fucking Goldberg, the guy who's been on everybody's imagination for two years, and you can't put, like, that looks, like, that's like five minutes worth of thought in that. It's, like, it's, that, that. That's kind of the lingering thing for me is, yeah, it's, it's surreal and it's cool, but there's always a little twinge in the back of my head. It's like, ah, just, it's not, it's not. It's, there's no bite to it, you know? The, you put in context the whole You're next, Rock. That's, yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, oh so, wow
2: know what he says he says you're next <laughs> wicked use that yeah I just it's like kind to of something match with his whole run Really, it's like, did they even want to sign him fuck's sake yeah we've yeah. been waiting all this time to get him and then you've got him you've got nothing else and this is what you do and the fans are booing him in three weeks that's that's a sad do- indictment it is well,
1: that's the thing. They're, not, they're not even sort of cheering him vociferously when he
0: debuts either are they in truth I, I Yep, the Goldberg chance and Rock has to say it. Hey, yeah, don't be smart because you know the Rock's accountant, Ida Goldberg, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I mean, that's what I mean. It's like if you were never in that position to do that, then they're complete, It's completely telegraphed. You know what I mean? I, there's, yeah, there's,
1: there's definitely a clear sign of a remorse from Vince early on. I think, especially um, especially using the uh, the gold dust wig as an example. I know it's the one that that's the week after. The week after, it's the, it's the one that. Um, that seems to raise the R of uh, old Bill most frequently when he's when he's interviewed. But you, you get Boy, that it's fucking some, stupid. Oh 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 rightly so. <laughs> but but I'm talking about in the in the sense of you can picture Vince backstage after what's an underwhelming debut going Ah, there's not quite enough personality there. What can we do to show other sides to the character?
0: Yeah. I've got it. It's related to Goldless because they've got gold in their name. <laughs>
1: I don't think that's not ex- almost exactly how it went down yeah,
0: yeah imagine Brian Gerwitz saying it exactly like I just did if Goldberg hops the rail and there's like a massive pull apart with like any top gosh oh my god Goldberg invaded W to attack and, yeah, the yeah, the, the the excitement was it was possible it's just through the roof and that's what you get so to so move on to something a little bit more correct however Otto Dembonds on the UK fan form says Shinsuke Nakamura's debut at Takeover Dallas five months ago despite never watching any Japanese wrestling apart from a few Pegasus kid matches I'd heard loads about Nakamura the UK fan form and other form and when the news broke that WWE signed him, I couldn't wait to see what all the fuss was about. I remember hearing excitement and praise when Huntor had got Kenta slash Hideo Atomi tied down to a contract, and he turned up in NXT, and I was dreadfully disappointed. But back to Naka, at that Dallas show, I think I got him from the moment his music hit. Coming out in his military jacket, doing the spazzy hand movements, and Bell's palsy face, I was mesmerised. <laughs> this wasn't your auntie's Japanese superstar then the match started and he was everything Hideo Otami wasn't high impact strikes seamless swanning around and off the charts timing and crowd interaction the match was amazing and it was the best Sammy has looked uh, since he won the NXT title against Neville in 2014 so yeah that entrance in the match cemented the fact that the boy is world class easily my favourite wrestler right now and someone who needs to be seen every week on TV the only thing about his debut I didn't like was the fact that he was introduced as an NXT guy he's way too experienced and way too good for developmental and an air raid on the UK fan form says going into Nakamura's debut, I was filled with a combination of excitement and anxiety. The guy was one of my favourite male wrestlers at the time, with Balor and AJ, who had already transitioned to the WWE, and uh, and Okada, who was uh, left in charge of chaos. I was full of doubts about Shinsuke coming over. Unlike Kenta, I had no doubt that his natural charisma would shine through if he was allowed to be himself. They were letting him come in with his established real name, and not changing it as they had to Devitt and Kenta, should have assuaged my fears a little, but I was still full of doubts. How much would they force him to tone down his style? What would his finish be, since they're so shit-scared of concussions, that surely it wouldn't be the bomber yet? Would his WWE theme live up to the bar set ludicrously high by Subconscious, one of my favourites ever? I had zero doubt that Shinsuke Nakamura could get over to WWE fans, but I didn't know how much of the real Nakamura was actually coming in. From the moment the melody to his new theme started and the king of strong style started pimping his way down, I started to relax. Okay, in front of a crowd preconditioned to go mental for him, it was never really going to go badly. But very quickly, I realized that he was just going to be himself. When the bell rang, I was happier still. All his kicks, champion vibrations, the commentators describing Kinshasa—they were letting him go out there and be himself. That the match itself, with Sami Zayn, was a triumph in front of a wildly enthusiastic crowd, was a bonus. But really, the biggest thing that went through me was relief. I had been positively huge with excitement at the thought of Shinsuke Nakamura. Mixing it with the best guys in NXT and eventually the main roster, and they were actually going to give me Shinsuke Nakamura unfucked about with authentic Nakamura in WWE. Never thought I'd see the day. Something to tell the grandkids.
1: I, I think that that email perfectly sums up my my thought process during sort of the build to his debut. And I think it's what we'd, we'd all talked about amongst ourselves before. This notion of yes, they've signed him, but what's his portrayal going to be like? Is, he, is it going to be the you know? A member of the Orient Express coming down to that music with Mr. <laughs> with Mr. <laughs> Fuji by his side—you know, all the all the worst, you know, y- your worst fears—realizes sort of what, what was going through my mind at the time. And then, sort of, you hear things about how much they, how much he, he's reportedly going to be paid, and you know, it's it's you know, good six figures. Oh, well, that's encouraging. But he's going to be in NXT. Oh, that might mean repackaging. Yeah, I did not like that. What, what, you know, because you you think what they're paying, and you think, oh, well, that means he's going straight to the main roster, and then you sort of you do the the 118. Is it? He's in the next team. You think, oh no, you start you start fearing the worst. Yeah. And I I sort I was constantly fearing the worst, really. Even when they gave him gave him the real name, which was referenced there. Oh, real name. They let him make, keep the name, I should say. Even then, I'm still thinking, okay, but you know, what's in a name, really? If you know, he's coming out in bloody. With you know, rising sun bandana on and all sorts of <laughs> all sorts of crazy cape, but I'm still fearful even that. It wasn't until you actually got him in the ring. You thought, oh, I can I can breathe easy a bit here. Yeah, they they they're giving this guy a chance to show you know everything he can do. I've got my concerns in more recent times, if I if I'm honest, about j- just the way his matches are constructed and things. You know, just sort of what I would consider warning signs. But as far as um, you know, out. Out, out, straight out the gate debuts. That was a. I was a very relieved man. I think is the best way I can put it. Yeah. Ple- pleasantly surprised. Yeah.
0: Few uh, few first impressions have resulted in such a good match right out the gate. I was
2: probably more happy for Sammy actually because he, he he needed a good blowout out for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And it was just a beautiful match because it was a Nakamura match and you know, the, the beautiful psychology story of the match that Sammy's getting his ass kicked and he has to he has to play Nakamura's game to get an yeah. even kill. I thought it was just yeah fantastic match. crowd was there obviously in that in Palm of the Hands from the start anyway um, the music i uh, still from it to this day when yeah. gonna, I do feel it's the timing's out a bit with his movements and his dancing yeah his music in New Japan as referenced there is, it's far more
0: upbeat where you've heard it mm-hmm. and it's like it, 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 his, it's better to shake his, to yeah, yeah his, his, his erratic movements Yeah, Zayn and Nakamura I, really, I didn't realise this until I watched it the second time, it's like, there's a, there's a formula in three great matches now, with with all the near falls, there's like one near fall in that whole match near the end, which is the blue thunder bomb. Everything else is just it's just the action, the back and forth, and it's like, I love that about the match, it makes it so different to anything that we see now.
1: And it had that wonderful Fight Forever chant that you're such a big fan of. <laughs> yeah. that, may, that may have been the debut of it, actually. It was, it was the was, debut, it
0: was and I, the I didn't team. mind it one time when it felt real when it's organic when it's organic oh. anything's fine as we've talked about before but when it becomes a parody and people replicate it yeah. it is what it is but back to the debut <laughs> but no as a, as a debut itself
2: yeah fantastic awesome stuff yeah
0: P- pretty uh... good <laughs> <laughs> Kieran TPWW form says Raven I knew who he was due to the WF cross promotion with ECW but when he showed up on Raw he just stood in the entranceway and I was fascinated so when he showed up sitting at ringside on WCW week in week out I wondered what he wanted and what he would say I had yet to hear him speak at all and for all the while uh, Steve Richards was doing all this talking which pissed Raven off for some reason but I love that debut. So this is the introduction of Raven in uh, WCW in 1997. So yeah, very interesting mix. I quite like this uh, as an introduction. I thought this was really good where they just had him pretty much silent uh, for for a good while. And uh, in terms of the first appearance, him in the crowd and then hopping the rail on that Nitro, the, uh, the June 30th Nitro. Can't say it's the most overwhelming debut in the world. But at the same time, the introduction of the character, if we're, if we're talking a longer range than just one debut appearance, the introduction of, of Raven in WCW, doing those promos next to the crib and in the park and stuff like that, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff there. So you'd always have that worry
1: of, of what, I hate to use a Shane Douglas line here, but uh, I will for a change. The way he'd, re, he'd refer to sort of the big two as cartoon land and that sort of thing, and you, you'd always worry about anyone who'd make this, the step up from ECW, so there was enough elements there for people who are already fans of Raven to be familiar with and to feel comfortable with. And then as as the weeks go on, it I I thought, I thought it was a pretty pretty cool one, especially you know, you've got you've got J J coming out trying, and, trying to try to trying him to sign a contract and refusing and, and then the way it even sort of evolved there into
0: Raven's rules for his match and all that sort of thing. So just so, flock grew like his, week by week. Yeah. Just random people that you've never seen before, like Sick Boy and <laughs> Reese. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't, I wasn't going to yeah. tout Rhys <laughs> There
1: was certainly enough intrigue there over the, over the first first sort of few months It was a, a sort of a, a general introduction Yeah, I thought it was
2: a pretty good one This doesn't really count as a debut No, not a It's a, search. a, it, 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 a, a build towards a debut almost oh, yeah, I really liked it though Again, um, kind of credit to WWE on this one this The one thing they did do at least for a, as, as a kind of a, an isolated look at the paradigm of their shows, there's like the the different elements to it. You obviously, you had the cruisers, the mid cards. And obviously, the names on top, and you got throw raved into that mid card, which again is something very different than anyone else is doing on the show with the sitting in the crowd and the entourage that's growing every yeah. week, and it's very interesting without anything happening. There's a story there. There's a narrative behind him without even getting in the ring. So yeah, very, I, from that aspect, very good. Obviously, let's not talk about WCW in terms of you know how, how that all shakes out with these guys who get over in their different niches on the show. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of Kind of transplanting the old ECW character into the mainstream, as it were. Um, I thought, well, yeah, it worked pretty well. I, I, I'd, I'd be interested to get someone's opinion who had never seen Raven in ECW to how they took, to, how they perceived him, sitting in the crowd, and how he yeah. presented and things. But yeah, as you say, with like, the Raven's rules things. It was kind of making him stand out and be feel special without having to. We do anything, yeah. Without, I'll just say without having to tread on anyone's toes to do it. Kind yeah, of the, yeah. That's that's the, kind of the
0: cleverness of if it was Raven's idea, which I'm, I'm sure I'll take credit for it. But <laughs> you know, it's like it, it is actually very clever in the sense to he got over on his own merits without having to beat anybody to do it. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, yeah, Raven's always interesting for me. Up until the point where it was obvious what his pigeonholed rock Roll on the card was. Yeah. Juxtaposed
0: with the debut against Jerry Lawler, DDTing him randomly in the WWF, and I've been hoping for Raven. Again, kind of like Jericho Syndrome, where it's like, God, if WWF got Raven, what could they do with him? And it turns out, for fuck sure. all. A shopping trolley is your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Matthew Howland on the Facebook page references that and says, I was hoping WWE would make more of Raven's character, but, as I suspect, Scott Levy didn't have enough creative input into his persona. That's all was at his face in the back of Shane's limo. Who the hell hired Scott Flamingo? <laughs> Who the fuck signed Raven? (laughs) (laughs) CS I'm Pro Wrestling Only says I'm surprised no one has mentioned Razor Ramon yet some of the greatest vignettes ever and he more than lived up to the hype in the ring even though I knew he was previously the lame diamond stud those Razor vignettes got me pumped up they were so effective that when WWE by and large Copied them uh, wholesale for Carlito. I was excited about him too. His debut and first few months were actually pretty good, so I don't want to say he wasn't a success just because he eventually descended into mid-card purgatory. So uh, I guess Razor's an interesting one today. Again, good vignettes. I love vignettes. Hey, with the uh, with the
1: the bad Tony Montana impression.
0: Uh, yeah, and actually, it was it was especially bad at first. Mm. It was, it was a quite grating at first. But yeah, it, it it still worked for me. Yeah. And it's um, and they did bring him in fairly like fairly high up, fairly quick.
1: Yeah, he's not, um, you know, to go sort of almost straight into the mix and that the, the tag program and the, ins- the association with. Tag Claire. Savage costing the title Yeah, by, by the rumble he's wrestling with Brett, so, you know, they, they clearly had plans for him, uh, but it, he's not someone I had any prior knowledge of really at that point. I, I had no awareness of his time in WCW as the Diamond Stud or. <laughs> Or his time in the uh, AWA with his, you know, uh, his, his appearance on the uh, on the Wrestle Rock Rumble
0: video. I'm Kurt Big Scott Hall. <laughs>
1: uh, tag Team Champs, I'll take on them
0: all. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, mine's the kind of reverse. So it's like I saw a Razor, and then like when I got old WCW tapes, and he's doing pretty much the exact same shtick in WCW. He's like, that's Razor. He's <laughs> well, got the diamond there uh, Not J Tab on Pro Wrestling Only with one that I didn't expect to come up here. Fantasio as uh, a 13 year old catching his debut and his only televised match on an episode of Wrestling Challenge. He was instantly fascinating. A wrestling magician using tricks to confuse and humiliate his oh, opponents. I
1: remember now. It seemed like a great
0: <laughs> idea to me, and I thought his gimmick of taking off a mask and giving it to the ringside child would make him as big as Bret Hart uh, I had a little book I kept matches of that I really wanted to see and I immediately wrote Fantasio vs Skip <laughs> which I mean to this day would have been terrific just for Candido stooging around for silly string and uh, phantom wedgies as the weeks went by I kept waiting for my new favourite wrestler to have a second match and it never happened
2: He magically disappeared <laughs> you, did?
0: you you seem to have a, a painful recollection of this one Carl well
1: you? I remember the, the, the one time I, I saw it it was I went through a stage at that point of, of taping a lot of the because I couldn't get near the TV thanks to my old man. So I think I saw it weeks afterwards. And at the time as you know as, as a kid, you think know, it's sort of quirky a bit out there, a bit different, but A bit. You know, <laughs> I suppose you had Doink no, Yeah, Doink at that point. You know, this, this is this is during the stage of, you know, we're not that far away from TL Hopper and the Goon and you know, these these are the gimmicks that came after Fantasia or whatever his name was. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz who emails in later on. In. By the way, in this podcast, Manta. So, yeah that, you know, it looks out of place today. Back then, it was sort of the epitome of the, you know, the very worst of WWF mid nineties cartoon wrestler. But yeah, the, the, the match is just—it's the worst sort of yuck, yuck comedy. you can, Vince, you can imagine with Vince in the pause his pants out Vin, for the finish, yeah, the wedgie. Yeah, Vince, Vince in the back, just loving it and poor gorilla monsoon on commentary just trying to make heads or tails of what the hell he is watching
2: this one they they got it all wrong you see he needed to be like a shit magician okay Like he needed like a really hot ring girl who would like throw him like the fucking like a cloth anyway so he could hide himself oh okay and make himself disappear and maybe like you know in an attempt to then like uh, re-energise the other side of the opponent but like it'd never work and he'd just get punched in the face oh Yes, like, I see. So a shit magician would have been money. Yeah, um, but but a shoot magician, no one thinks magicians are hard I, <laughs> I sat front row of David Copperfield show, true story, and I thought oh, he's arse <laughs> In fact, I did when he said, "I my missus." Oh, okay. With his fucking sex offender eyes. <laughs> so so that's, my, my, that's my that's my that's, some that's, yeah. That's my thought on magicians in wrestling.
1: Well, he didn't make a second appearance, so that probably sums it up nicely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Johnny's Sweatpants on Russianform.com says my first reaction was Earthquake's glorious debut everyone thought he was just a lovable fat guy in the audience until he flattened the Ultimate Warrior with his massive arse <laughs> so that was a uh, this is a good one here so this is uh, the Dino Bravo Ultimate Warrior push up contest and uh, obviously they're looking for a guy who can sit on Bravo's back while he's doing the push ups and of course there's a lovable fat guy in the crowd that everyone's pointing at because look there's a fat guy he'll do it then he, uh, he, he does it Bravo does the push ups the yeah, warrior goes to do it Quake goes to the on on his back, and he jumps on his back and beats the shit out of him. It's like, yeah, what's your name, John? In his raspy voice, and uh, and as it turns out, he's a killer heel. Admittedly, it's it's
1: not one that, that automatically sprung to mind because my earliest memory of Earthquake wasn't wasn't his debut itself. Actually, it was just the way he was the the substitute, if you like, for the Survivor Series team when back when Vince was still calling him the Canadian Earthquake.
0: Oh yeah, for the Widowmaker, I believe yeah he he was quickly running underground to uh, (laughs) avoid some uh, counterfeiting issues I believe (laughs) it's a nice novel way to introduce
1: someone again the sort of the plant in the audience and he did look like like a fan you know with the hair and everything like that well you know we've all seen enough you know fat hairy sweaty wrestling fans in our time just look at an audience at the NXT shirts for crying out loud
0: (laughs) (laughs) fight forever Carl fight forever
1: but but no yeah you didn't look at him and think There is a pro wrestler. This is obviously a setup, and you know we weren't as jaded then as we are now, which helps. But no, so it worked in that sense, and certainly more interesting than the time that they debuted Steve Blackman for the crowd. I'll say that much. Oh yes,
0: indeed.
2: So was it Earthquake? Was it was he supposed to be like someone? Was it a work that like a setup? Oh yeah, it's
0: a setup. Yeah, Bravo and Quake are working on it together. was, Was how it turned out, and yet somehow. Warrior
1: still didn't get the earthquake feud when he won the belt.
0: No. (laughs) Funny that. (laughs) A la card on Pro Wrestling Only with another one that I'm surprised appeared. MVP at No Mercy 2006 was a great one to me. In the weeks leading up to him uh, in the crowd and hyping up the most expensive contract he signed I wasn't expecting him to be anything special but the moment he debuted everything clicked. The music, the entrance, the ring attire and the big debut against Marty Garner were all perfect. Uh, This is one that surprised me because this was like a, a much maligned Debut and it actually happened in terms of like yeah, was the mystery opponent people were expecting Benoit and I think that the plan was apparently supposed to be Benoit and for Benoit to lose to him in MVP's debut and they they changed their mind and they had no other option and Marty Garner was the uh, it was a job guy was, was the plan and uh, only memorable to me for the um, the line from JBL on Contact who I mean, is this who's this guy look he just came from the concentration camp <laughs> jeez. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Should have been Shelton. Should have been Shelton. Take that, cock up your arse, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Who stole that? Actually, Boogeyman. Boogeyman. There
0: you go. Well, well, that's the thing. The song that was mentioned was actually made for Boogeyman so I don't know why MVP is like, it seems like a very odd fit to me for MVP but anyway uh, moving on to another very popular debut here Punkstep on UK fan Fanform says I got back into wrestling in mid to late 1999 after knocking it on the head for a few years and didn't have the internet at home so I didn't really know what ECW was uh, the first time I ever heard of ECW was after the Dudleys debut not longer after I got back into it I started hearing a bit more about this promotion and around 1999 in November I started seeing rumours on teletext you kids don't know that you were fucking born that some chap called Taz from ECW was set to debut at Armageddon. It was treated like a big deal, a bit like when Jericho made the jump, so I was naturally intrigued. He didn't debut at Armageddon after all, but his first appearance wasn't too far away. At the time, I didn't put two and two together with the orange mood is about to change vignettes that interrupted a lot of matches on TV. Then, at the Royal Rumble, Angle opened the pay-per-view with an open challenge. I think by this time, I'd forgot about some guy called Taz Rumor to be joining until almost every single fan in MSG that night were chanting Taz, Taz, Taz during Angle's promo. The crowd were rabid, super hot. The music hit and the crowd erupted. To this day, I'd never seen a wrestler I'd never heard of debut with such a massive pop. It really made him out to be a massive deal. Then this hulking small tank strolled to the ring as though he was carrying carpets under his arms with a towel on his head and I liked him straight away. He looked the business. The thing fucked up the announcing but it didn't matter because when he made his way out there the entire crowd seemingly knew who he was. He got in the ring clobbered angle and they had a decent little quick match. His suplexes were something I wasn't used to seeing at the time and I was into him straight away. What a debut and since then I've always had a soft spot for Taz. I went back and watched his old ECW stuff after and he was Always one of my favourites until he became a fat, obnoxious colour commentator and not even a good one. a words Paul Heyman. Uh, Ambulance Chase on the UK fan form says, Stick me down for Taz. Boy, was I a mark for that guy. Killing people in ECW, throwing them around, and generally being a mean bastard. Uh, first night went okay. Optimism was still high. Great reaction, good entrance, and a good match. Then he turned into a tracksuit wearing umpa gutted. And uh, Roy Abbott on uh, F4W says, I'll go with Taz's debut. Lots of hype. He came in an absolutely destroyed angle, handing him his first loss. It was MSG2. Oh, FUCK! Wolves,
2: one nil to Birmingham.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was at MSG 2 and the crowd went crazy for him. Within about four weeks, he was doing jobs for Bossman and Prince Albert. You might say a real, a real rocket buster of a debut. <laughs> the perfect place to
1: debut the guy in his hometown, you know, at MSG, you know, a big arena, and a, again, I hate to use the term, but a generally perceived smarter audience that are going to have that. They generally have a, a wider understanding than say. If he debuted in say, you know, Iowa or Arizona or you know, to pick a random state for example, where where wrestling isn't necessarily so much of a hotbed, to show to showcase him against Angle, whilst it wasn't necessarily the Angle we all know and love at at that point, he was unbeaten, he he had a, a fair bit of cachet if you like, so, <laughs> so the perfect perfect way to debut someone, and again, yeah, no over the top wacky Ramon vignettes or anything like, that, but. The, the mood is about to change those, those sort of subtle teases funnily build, enough I also didn't I also
0: didn't connect the dots at all even though it's like it's saying survive on, on, on the screen I couldn't figure out what he was saying yeah
2: it's a great debut though Um, kind of perfect storm in many respects fucking cheesy over the top wonderful Kurt Angle yeah um, rock solid super serious Taz yeah coming out of New York destroyed um, him quick Quick win, choked him out. The choke
0: out finish, too, is yeah. like I love that. that The one, two, and then he checks in, and he's like, no, ring the bell, it's over, and people just piss their pants that it's yeah. finished. Yeah, great debut. Very, very sad to see what became of him just four weeks later, as we said. <laughs>
1: um, Have you noticed a pattern with these debuts that we've talked about? Even the ones that we thought
0: were good there's a quick falling off there
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seems to be a cooling period
0: <laughs> let's talk about another cooling period here on the underwhelming front Mordecai MIM731 on uh. the UK fan fanform says months after cracking vignettes building this spooky Undertaker-esque character all dressed in white making some fairly ambiguous references which seem to point him towards being a big deal and a new nemesis for Taker I remember being really excited to see what they had in mind for this guy and you could tell from the promos he was a big lad even his actual debut match against Sky 2 High was an impressive squash but it fizzled out massively after that and was Because eventually we were left with Kevin shitting Thorne, a vampire with no bite. A massive missed opportunity. Kieran on TPWW says basically he was supposed to be the anti-taker. In promos it all seemed so awesome, but when he finally showed up with both his intro, which HBK wound up having a better version of later, actually did the whole gimmick better, uh, and his in-ring performance all felt so meh. Plus he had this odd build to me at least. Where his arms seemed too short for his body and he wasn't tall enough to be a monster but not small enough to be an average guy, kind of like the wall in WCW. Uh, Drave on TPWW says, uh, you can probably pair this with the against the grain crowd too, but Mordecai, seemed like he was going to be amazing, he was strong, huge and a very unique gimmick that seemed like it would have gotten over. I was impressed with his debut but disappointed at the short life. Uh, Dez Walk on the effort board says, I was stoked for that debut based on the vignettes and the thoughts in my head about what they might do and it seemed that I gave up on him halfway through his first match. The um, Pale Rider as Michael yeah. Cole likes to say which we heard about as much well as Demon King I believe on that yeah, and I,
1: I think if I'm not mistaken you can still get the Pale Rider if you're willing to pay for it in certain places <laughs> um, a reference for about how during sort of the one period of Davies, we weren't necessarily as jaded then as we are now well by this point in time just class me as 100% absolutely jaded <laughs> as soon as the vignette started I hated the idea of this yeah. It just seemed so hokey and such bullshit <laughs> that I'll be honest, I wasn't really going to give it much of a chance. Coming out of the gate, it failed to even meet my low expectations.
0: It successfully
1: so me. Just coming out with that giant bloody cross
0: and planting it down it's tights for shit too it's just garbage plain, plain white tights and the the Christian vest you know not, I don't mean Christians and religious I mean edging <laughs>
2: Christian see-through vest uh, incidentally Pale Rider is Del Rio's nickname for Paige is it? <laughs> it was like well this well jaded on fun, funky tr- uh, Undertaker nemesis is at this point yes we've seen enough yeah
1: Doesn't he debuts at the Bash doesn't he? Uh, Judgment Day oh Judgment Day damn There was me for a a minute thinking it was a perfect shitstorm and he debuted on the same show where Paul Bearer was buried in porridge.
0: Rest in peace. <laughs> uh, let's move on to another uh, pale failure here. <laughs> even the Nuggetball Schwartz on the UK fan form says For me, Seven falls into both categories. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought the vignettes were really well done, and I was generally excited to see how the character panned out. I just wish WCW had gone through with it rather than Rhodes' shoot, he got on his debut, and then becoming the American nightmare. It all felt rather flat and underwhelming. And a white sheep mask on the UK fan form says The Dustin Rhodes slash Seven gimmick had to be a swerve from the start, surely. even in the the batshit mental world of pro wrestling there was no way that implied child molester was ever going to get over <laughs> unless WCW were able to poach the boss man over to lead a stable of Operation New tree uh, faces <laughs> against the white-faced nonce <laughs> so uh yeah I'm very sad because I just realised I've got my phone here I only want to show you the vignette Kieran, if you can't it off the top of your head creepy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but again so poorly done you know? <laughs> like, yes creepy but yes also so cheap you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like kind of like they, they do it. They did the moment where he, he's possessing you, he's looking through the child's window as he's sleeping. And then the child looks at the camera, blinks, and then like. It's his, like eyes his eyes go black. His eyes go black. Turn. But it's, it, it, it sounds way less. It sounds way better than it really is. It I looks it like. Doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Why would, it, why, would it, why would the kid's eyes go black? Because Seven's eyes were black, you see. So when he. You know, it made his eyes like he was a follower of Seven. Yeah, if, I, if I'm not mistaken,
1: the way it pan He put his hand on the window, and then the child put his hand Touched, on the window yes. as well,
0: and. So, you know, that's, that's,
1: that's how it came about. How do you develop
2: that skill from... <laughs> my hand is touching your hand! Brilliant. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, my other hand <laughs> is touching your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should leave it at that. That's a perfect way
0: to cap off seven. DMJ on Pro Wrestling Only, with another clanger here. The debut of Rockabilly. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. I remember being pretty interested in who the Honky Tonk Man's protégé would be in the spring of 97. Yeah, you were what, the only one. Why I cared is a question I don't know the answer to, but I'll chalk it up to being a lame uh, 13-year-old wrestling fan anyway in the weeks before Rockabilly made his debut. I believe Honky Tonk Man had asked both Gunn and Roadie to be his man and both turned him down. This is intriguing to me, because it meant that this mystery man wouldn't be either of those two guys opening up things to a possible debut of a new superstar and maybe a former WCW or ECW <laughs> talent turns out it was gun after all turning the entire build up of the debut into a complete waste of time and a serious disappointment and at uh, the Iron Shake on the UK Fan Forum says the funny thing is around the time of Rockabilly Disco had a short release from WCW and would have been perfect for the role of Honky's protege Goofy check Pompadour check Cowardly Heel check so uh, yes Rockabilly certainly uh, certainly a strong candidate for a very you could hear a fucking ant fight in Paraguay when Rockabilly comes walking out um, yeah no buys <laughs> no buys I like that song though the, the rockabilly music was pretty good you've you got to say that by pretty good do you mean
1: by it's, ma- it's marginally better than home with my baby tonight
0: <laughs> take that back it's,
1: it's a build up involving honky tonk man so that his protege can square
2: off against the real double j are you saying this is a full and,
1: and I don't think there's anything more I need to say on that
2: yeah they both turn him down yes so that's obviously his honky as shit mm-hmm. and no one in their right mind with other options would want to be aligned with him yes yep. so then Rockabilly I guess realised he had no other options and he was shit <laughs> so he joins him so for <laughs> yeah. me that's not really a way to get over a, uh, a new gimmick or a no, new pairing as you know meaningful mm, indeed uh, moving on to one here that caught me off guard and by, uh, by the sounds of it caught quite a few of our listeners
0: off guard Brodus Clay
2: uh, I was
0: going to say Brodus <laughs> You're actually dressed In a, in a very Funkasaurus manner today, I am actually. Quite
2: funky today
0: Colin Bollocks On the UK fan oh, says, I'll never forget When Brodus Clay Made his debut on Raw I was on the UK fan Fanform chat And I think we were all Busy discussing Batista's powerful Warhammer Such was the anticipation For Brodus But the moment His music hit me jived his way out Into the ramp The entire chat Gave him the sort of reaction You'd imagine Sable's prime 1998 fanny Would get <laughs> It's also one of my Favourite squash matches ever Mainly because of the excellent My bad course as he was twatting some nothing uh, Marrow on the FWD board says I'm not really sure where it ranks on the scale of best versus worst but one debut I still remember is Brodus Clay they hype him up with vignettes depicting him as an ass kicking machine then postpone his debut week after week until it becomes a running joke then we're finally prepped for the official debut of this new monster heel He's announced from Planet Funk, Ernest Miller's old music begins playing and he comes comes out as a jolly dancing babyface with cheerleaders. As far as sheer non sequiturs go, it must be the most surreal debut I can recall. Brutus was never much in the ring and the Funkasaurus gimmick had a short shelf life, but he was over for the first few months. The fact he spent months and months having meaningless squashes instead of proper feuds and promos ensured that whatever interest was generated by his absurd debut was soon squandered. I'm still not sure what to make of the whole debut. Was it a rib? Did they change plans midway through? Making it up as they went, he questions. This did get a couple of watches from most of the time. Ah, uh,
2: yeah, come on, first, that first night was funny as fuck. <laughs> it's like no one expected that to happen, and then he comes out and it's like, oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I'm not sure where this is going. It's WWE, so it's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's um, not going to Belfast. He's like, he can't work, but yeah, it was funny. I, I thought it was funny the first that first first so the first three week. or four
0: weeks because he started getting more dusty roads as the weeks went by. And there's, there's, there's one I can't remember who it was against. But uh, there was one where, like, he just he started like, you know, kind of moving, dancing, like, jiggling, like, dusty. And he just started doing up like, the ash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's he like, this is, he's dusty roads. This is he dusty yeah, roads yeah. all over. And they stopped him from doing that. They, oh, they, they, really? had, they stopped him from doing the dusty stuff. And from now on, it was just he's, he's just a fat guy getting a push He's not very good, really.
1: Yeah, there's there's an element of entertainment the first week, maybe the second week. It's like that one joke you hear from from the person who's terrible at telling jokes. It's a person who's terrible at telling a joke, but this one joke, they get a laugh out of it. So it was so great, they go and tell other people. And then by the by the end of it, they're telling the same people that they've already told without realising it, just in larger groups. So these people have already heard this joke once. They're hearing it the second time, it's less funny. Then appearing it again, it's even less funny. By week number four, you're just tired of it and want it to stop. That <laughs> <laughs> was pretty much as Clay for me. <laughs> and the Funkadactyls really pissed me off as well.
0: Why?
1: I just found them irritating what was it you kept calling them skankodactyls that's right that's (laughs) right I think it probably had something to do with the fact that I, I knew instantly that one of them
0: was, was, was that one? was was the person who Austin kicked off Tough Enough the first week but for saying that her favourite match was Melina and Alicia Fox. That's the one. That's <laughs> the
2: one. Honestly, gets you nowhere in this business, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, Dastardly
0: Dale Newstead on TPWW form says I would have to say the most intriguing debut I can remember is probably Mankind. I say this because I've been uh, I had to have been nine years old and I found myself very disturbed by the shrieking ghoul of a man who talked about his mommy in a troubling manner while he tore bits of his own hair out and the camera zoned in on half of his ear. Missing. He was supposed to be presented as a monster and a guy who could ever actually be a threat to the Undertaker. And between all of the above and the mandible claw, which actually seemed kind of disgusting and also a very visceral finishing move, I found it all very terrifying. The goal was to make me scared of mankind, to dislike mankind, and care about mankind. As a nine-year-old, there was always the possibility that I would change the channel because he made me so uncomfortable. But one has to say that is a testament to the presentation and Mick Foley's delivery of this twisted new character in the WWF. And LP LPM Pro Wrestling only says I like creepy. The mankind stuff in 1996 was some of the most intriguing. Stuff I've ever seen to that point point. plus I had no idea who Cactus Jack was since I hadn't really seen any WCW or ECW at that point so yeah those promos and the genius of the two different music themes this was insane I think people have forgotten how brilliant this stuff was and only think of good old uh, and annoying crowd panderer Mick Foley these days uh, but the early mankind shit was the best character introduced on WWE TV since well The Undertaker this was a fucking good debut
1: <laughs> this was fucking wonderful <laughs> You know, again, I've never seen again, so again back, back to, Look back to the, the, back to the vignettes again. You know, I'm going. That's not like a broken record. I'm going to hark on about it. But these vignettes as a build up, and it it was creepy. You know, the sort of the strange lighting effect almost looked like he was in a, a cellar of some kind as well. And yeah, the, the 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 promos are a bit out there, and you can sometimes question the content. But you know, that sinisterness is is, is there throughout. That being said the one email there referenced about him being at the threat the idea of this threat to the Undertaker even though I was younger then I, it, it, I, I'd always had this assumption that this was this was jobber of the month to be just sort of wheeled out for Taker yeah. so you know all, all the vignettes and, and, and the debut the day after Mania is, is all really well done acceptance as a sort of a, a main main player in the old in the stage isn't really cemented for me until that match at the King of the Ring and he wins and yes, there's the 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 bear shot with the urn, but oh, he, he, even so, you think Jesus Christ, he won! My
0: joy! Good floor. God, he won! When <laughs> I when I saw that he beat Take, I was like, Oh my God! Because Take rarely ever jobbed. I mean, he rarely ever jobbed back then. No, and,
1: and even when he did, it's it's the it's the ten men beating him down in yeah. the a casket match, or, or any you know any sort of um, smoke and mirrors you can do. But something as more innocuous as a bearer urn shot and then just the mandible claw and he's, he's out mm. and then you know the, the selling afterwards sort of staggering down the aisle dropping to his knees and all that sort of thing you know one of the one of the rare rare positives for The Undertaker <laughs> which you will not hear next week
0: so that's actually talk, again, we're talking debut here but he actually you know, burst on the scene and attacked Taker and did the you know, the cactus elbow and stuff like that was that a in terms of first impressions that kind of uh, stick with you as well
1: I'll give Kevin Dunn some credit for the for the camera angle as well just the, just the way it's sort of the way it's positioned with with Taker on there, and and the elbow coming t- towards you towards the screen as he drops it. And I'd never seen anything like it at that
2: point. Bit of opposite tact on this one. Mm, okay. from, from, again, maybe more preconceived notions. As you said, there really, it wasn't until he beats Taker that you mm. shit serious. And to that point, it's like he's another mid carder they're going to use him as, why, can't, why can't he be Cactus Jack yeah why yeah. does Vince have to do this yeah. he can't be he's going to be so. Go on, go on. No. I, all,
1: all I was going to say was in, in, I wasn't aware of his time as Cactus Jack at that point so I sort of I had a clean slate in that regard so maybe maybe I sort of had, had maybe sort of a rose tinted perspective in, in that sense at that's, the time
2: well that's one thing I was going to say that would be interesting how as the the, uh, the writer said but you know he was nine years old so how did it's like other the, 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 the Said before on the show, hey we, people who you know experience it for the first time, how did, that's that's a real acid test, I think. Yeah, for yeah. like as the wrestling fan so why can't he be Cactus Jack? Vince, he's already got this kind of st- the stigma, of like oh, he's got to change things. He hasn't made you know in quotations Austin Rock. No. Yeah. So it's okay. So it's yeah, he's gonna kind of, come in wacky gimmick, be a bit quirky for a few months build up to a match of taker then lose. He's kind of a, it's another mid card it's a mid card nothing gimmick. It's something for takes to do for a while. A guy can work better than admittedly than most of the dross taker gets, but still it's they've they've Turned it up to eleven, the wackiness to eleven of Cactus Jack to kind of you know make him more serene to fit into this supernatural wacky bullshit that Taker, they love to do with Taker. So like, I was not really enthused. Like, Why are you gonna fuck around? Fuck around with a talented guy like this? Mm. You know, isn't he crazy enough on his own?
0: I think, yeah, I kind of think the same things. The, the very first vignette I remember seeing, I remember somebody giving me a tape of, was not the one of him in the cellar. It was like a close-up one. It was just you could just see his ear. And he's he's talking, and it's like I remember vaguely like smoke in the background or something like that. It's just you, you can see his ear, and he's talking, and it's like oh, okay, this this is Cactus Jack. So I knew from Power Slam he'd lost the ear and all that type of stuff. <laughs> so I knew I knew who he was, and obviously we'd seen him in WCW. But like then like I yeah, I see it again a few weeks later. Then he's in the cellar with the mouse. And it's like, uh... <laughs> A little bit less enthused about that one in terms of a debut, so. Seems appropriate now to bring up uh, another one of the more popular ones here. The Brain Follow-On Pro Wrestling only says, my favourite debut is The Undertaker. The intrigue uh, was that for the first time, two of my hobbies was merging. As a kid, I was hugely into classic black and white monster movies. Uh, the Undertaker was almost like a character from that, the Boris Karloff Frankenstein monster come to life. And when they added Paul Bearer, it resonated with me all the more. I remember being the only kid in the Worcester Centrum cheering as The Undertaker took on Hulk Hogan in July of 91 in their first singles match together uh, Keith Houchin on the UK fan forum says I'm an old bastard so for me it was The Undertaker at school the Russian fans would talk about who DBRC would have as his mystery partner of a Survivor Series Brutus Beefcake was even mentioned by my <sighs> friends for some reason then on the night this massive scary looking guy comes out and obliterates everyone I was gobsmacked watching that match and thought he was invincible and uh, Janetti Zilla on the TVW <laughs> forum says as a nine year old Undertaker's debut was the most groundbreaking thing ever I remember immediately thinking there was no way anyone could ever beat that guy they had him get counted out in one of those two brutals or follow the rules moves it's always a staple of the Survivor series around this time uh, but he still walked out as the unstoppable monster force on the roster and an immediate replacement for Andre and uh, Kieran Swain on the Facebook page uh, similarly different I'm not sure if this applies, but I remember when Fat Undertaker came rolling out on a motorbike as the American badass to the song by Kid Rock. Uh, I marked out hard. He just looked so cool to me. Looking back now, I feel the complete opposite. But at the time, I was sold on him being the hardest and coolest guy ever. <laughs> so, The Undertaker. I guess the 1990 debut is uh, the most appropriate one to talk about first which is hard to talk about because I didn't see it at the times it happened this is one of those ones I, I knew of The Undertaker before I saw the debut mm-hmm. so Impact didn't resonate with me quite as much and I'm sure it didn't to, to any of the folks around the table here but uh, in terms of execution of a great debut making the guy a threat really quick and again without having to really step on too many people's toes he pinned Dusty at the Survivor Series pinned Coco but you know Dusty was kind of on the way out the door by then anyway so it wasn't like he had to kill you know top guys to, to get over as a monster heel he just he's guy over with a great presentation yeah, in, in
1: terms of what you would think of as the as the traits
0: or the hallmarks for
1: a good debut what we would associate you know in the, the way of making someone imposing making them seem a threat all that sort of thing A plus for the effort on that night it, like you say he, yeah Dusty's on his way out but he's, he's still a name that, that resonated with the audience at that time so that gives him some credibility Something like having him in the ring with Coco, who's a small guy.
0: Yeah. So it sort of emphasises that
1: imposing nature as well, and, oh, you know, yes, it's that sort of that that cheap way out with the old Survivor Series count-out elimination. But you know, it's if if you want to make some someone someone seem threatening. But you want to protect him that that's the way to go. And at least it wasn't the archetypal bad news Brown. <laughs> I don't really know why I'm in this. I've been hit by my partner, I'm walking off in a strop.
0: Again. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know at least it's it's that yeah. But yeah, for the second year running, at least it's that reasonable out of he basically just kicks Dusty's ass back to the locker room because yeah. Dusty's gone for blubber love.
2: <laughs> uh see just quickly go on to the uh American Badass one as well. Cause I will say when he debuted, and like the lights went out, and those little girls started talking, yeah yeah, I was pretty scared <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
1: they, 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 we talked about creepiness those and those vignettes were a bit creepy yeah. before judgment day yeah they were um, but I'll, can I just ask you to at, at the table here i I was one of those that fell into the category of when he came back as the American badass, and I thought, like, why can't you just be the undertaker i why, I why can't you just be undertaker, and then obviously got used to it, all that sort of thing. And you get to Mania 20, and he comes out, and
0: it's Mark Calloway in a hat, and I was thinking, why did I want The Undertaker back? Yeah. See, my my stance was the absolute opposite. I was happy that it was the American Badass, because it's like, I, 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 you know, again, we'll talk about this next week, I suppose. I I did not like the Undertaker character by then at all. I was I was sick of it. I it bored me senseless. And to the point where when you came back with a fresh coat of paint looking like just the more real version of the Undertaker, it's like this fits. This fits right now where you got, you know, all these guys from WC's workhorses coming at your angle, you got, you know, rock and triple H on top. You got you know, Undertaker waltzing in doing his fucking ministry shit wouldn't have fit. Oh, but this oh. this fit far more. But anyway, we'll, talk, we'll talk more about that next week it seems like a logical thing actually for another uh, underwhelming debut here and I segue Chess Rockwell in the UK fanform says as a young lad my brother and I discussed with much excitement for what seemed like an age what amazing wrestler we thought was going to pop out the egg at Survivor Series 90 <laughs> the fucking gobbledygooker I can't describe what a colossal letdown that was what a load of shit wrestling has disappointed me a lot of times since then but you can—he you get conditioned to expect it the first cut is the deepest <laughs> there's obviously been the same show take a debut, the egg with the gobbledygooker
1: yeah un- unfortunately for Oakland it wasn't a playboy playmate
2: <laughs> right yeah just think about it though I think this is shame on you because <laughs> mate, imagine if you flip-reversed it and obviously not Gobbledygook in the fucking Survivor Series match but if it was Undertaker who came out of the egg are you taking him seriously? Are you taking <laughs> oh, anyone no. seriously who comes out of a fucking egg? No, no. probably not. So shame no. on everyone. I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's
1: it's not so much the person that like, you're right it's not the person that comes out of the egg that's really the issue it's the whole fucking concept from the beginning, isn't it? <laughs> it's Gino Oakland tripping over it, it's, sort of, it's, it's the hallmarks of what is outside of that Taker debut for me a pretty fucking poor show. Very poor show. With the with the ultimate survival match at the end. Yes. Where no one really knows why these people are on in. each Obviously, it's babyface and heel, but that's never explained. There's no brackets or anything to give you an explanation <laughs> behind it all.
0: They're just mates. And there's no
1: tangible reward. <laughs> no,
0: there's nothing on that. apart from Bret Hart's performance with D.V.R.C. That that's pretty stellar stuff. Other than that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that one, but. Um, moving along here to another underwhelming debut. Banks on the FOW board. We're talking about Undertaker again. DDP as the stalker. I remember being at my friend's and we were both anxiously awaiting to see who this stalker was. I'll never forget the laugh my friend gave out when DDP ripped off his mask and revealed himself as the stalker. One of the worst angles from that time period. You don't, you don't even have to be a quote-unquote smart mark to
1: think that this was shit straight away. As I said that purely from the sense of it's not some new guy. Everyone knows DDP. Everyone knows the DDP character. Everybody knows he's got a smoking hot wife. You don't need to read the dirt sheets to know that. Everyone knows his wife's Kimberly. So why the fuck is he going to stalk Taker? Because he wants wife? to be made famous,
0: Carl. He's not famous. <laughs> <laughs> he's in WCW. <laughs> no one's watching, obviously. See, it's the thing is, just- when he unmasked, uh, cause again it it was like you know, interesting vignettes who's behind this you know, you've got the black scorpion oh, voice like, yeah. oh yeah the, 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 the double the, for sevens vignettes yeah <laughs> the, the, the
1: the vignettes themselves had, had an element of interest but just when it's ddp no this is this is two and two making five this just doesn't mesh
0: i was I, I, for about 20 seconds i was you just and two making a self high five <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I I was too busy caught up in the fact that when he ripped the mask off, it was DDP. It's like ah, oh, a WCW for this invasion that we desperately we desperately need some WCW guys. So like I was just happy that like okay, someone someone's in. who's was a star. We're not gonna have to deal with Chuck Palumbo wrestling in the main events.
2: Kind of elements of like a number of like you got the the, the creepy sevenness, and you got the frustration of why are you changing this guy's gimmick. Everyone yeah. knows who he is. or at least I do. So, yeah, they all knew. It's all the the, the, rea- me. the reaction he got, it was obvious everyone knew who DDP <laughs> was. You um,
0: know, it's, it's so frustrating. Y- you
1: saw the arms yeah. go up in, in the crowd for the, the singer for the Diamond Cutter and a few of them along with the the bang and all that sort of thing. Th- there would have been an an element, a slither, if you like, of justification if it was just a way to then portray DDP as wanting to get un- under the Undertaker's skin. It's just If it was just simply a way to rile him up to get his attention for a match something like that That would have been fine but it clearly wasn't the intention because then as the weeks go on he becomes more perverse and he has that bloody shrine to all that sort of thing it's just hot garbage
0: is what it is (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joe Ankovics on the Facebook page has even though, at first, everything about them screamed three random OVW or NXT guys, there was an air about them, and with the whole gorilla mystique made me think that The Shield were going to be the next top guys. Add to that how dynamically unique they were from one another, and how they tend to alternate who the most showcased guy was from week to week, and it was truly something they hadn't done in ages, if it had ever been done in WWE. Thinking that they'd end up as a Heyman stable, I was surprised and pleased when they went out on their own, and waited several months uh, to put them in an actual match, and was very well played. And uh, Lavvy on WrestlingForum.com says... Uh, Uh, The Shield was perfection. The second they randomly ran out and whooped ass at Survivor Series, you have three very young guys coming in, raising hell, and not giving a fuck who stands in their way. Uh, They made these three a monster team destined for success. The Shield was honestly the best thing WWE has created in a very long time. So The Shield's debut at Survivor Series.
2: I fucking love The Shield. Oh, yeah. Um... God damn, they're so great. <laughs> but I will say, first night in we're talking debuts that they'd debut yes. Punk and It was Punk right back right and
0: Cena in a three-way. Oh, it was three of Yes.
2: It? And they took out the the back. Yes. Um Yeah, they come through then it's like, oh, who are they? they yeah, were, fuck's this? They look like three milk tray men with their roll necks and it's like <laughs> how are could they be delivering chocolates? <laughs> yeah. Um so but no, I mean it was because they were completely out of nowhere. I, yeah, I, I felt a bit cold. It felt like almost like, and, and just pre- the presentation of them in there, you know, the, the gear wasn't as cool and kind of uh, military-looking at that point. I said they were yeah. fucking roll necks on, so it felt like because this was when Ryback had his great spell He was getting pushed, but could, wasn't allowed to win. Cause, <laughs> Come on show. So it felt like kind of a bit like a the backdoor way out of the match to me. At points. Of course, um, no, the emphasis wasn't on them so much. They were periphery to the match, obviously. So was, there was the entry but in terms of natural. Impactful debut. That consider it, you know, contrast that to like the Taker one. It's Survivors' where the there's so much attention on Taker Being okay, he's doing shit that's impressive on his yeah. own. The focus is pure Looking on him. A rope. He's everyone. Even though he doesn't okay, he gets the the bullshit elimination. You know, he's he's protected and there's focus on him. So they were supplementary to the match itself. Yeah, they were felt to me the debut was functional where they were in the company rather than I think you could actually debut them probably in a more impactful way with focus purely on them um but it felt like a way maybe they're going to bring them up anyway so okay we'll do it for this so but it they weren't the real focus it was like well who was that where they come from the, the attention really wasn't strong enough on, on for me personally to make it a real strong debut that said that said I fucking love the shield I think everything they did was great yes um it doesn't make any any real sense to bring them back ever? Well, in the, in the foreseeable future, but I would not give a shit if they returned at Summerslam <laughs> together. <laughs> just because, because. Just because they're so fucking ace, and those matches were goddamn great. Yes, so. all those six men madness And marvelous. Daniel Bryan himself deserves to, to give them a little bit of a thank you for getting him over. Yes, as, indeed. Because it was those matches that he really started to the crowd reaction during matches they, that's when he got over fucking over huge with yes. his fucking comebacks the, the the dive through the ropes he's basically doing his routine because it, it was in the context of a, um, a fucking awesome shield match well, it looks like he's beaten up all three guys yeah. by himself yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's such good stuff on both sides so yeah debut was it was functional that's what I'd say functional functional 1-1 one, one. if not exceptional. yeah 1-1 one, one is the latest <laughs> who scored Carl Mason Oh, beautiful. Totally are
0: we going to have 50 50 booking on this podcast to uh, prevent a, a punch up at the end? We
2: don't, we don't think highly enough of our respective teams to fight over it. <laughs> we, we both know they're both pretty shit. It's, it's
1: probably a, a fair summary, in truth. Um, yeah, it's, in, in terms of the shield, it's a functional, but with a Susan. Of fasc, the <laughs> fascination.
0: What you like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, say? Oh, the tea almost came flying out of my mouth. <laughs> a oh, what? Susan? <laughs> Sousson.
1: <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a line from Fraser. Who does
0: he play for Madrid?
1: <laughs> you know, it, it's not this sort of this breakout debut. You're right, but um, but it's at least one of those that leads to a bit of intrigue and sort of just to echo your sentiments. They're f- they're far better as a shield than they have been as individuals. I think it's fair to say.
0: Yeah, uh, let's move on to another group here though. uh, The Radicals, let's talk about here Patrick Alexander on the FWB board says Benoit, Guerrero, Saturn and Malenko uh, That's still my holy shit debut You knew something was about to go down, not necessarily in the ring but in the war between WCW and WWE That and it was the first debut that I saw live Uh, Silky Kisser on the UK fan forum says, for me it was probably It was probably the Radicals jumping the barricade to beat down DX I never watched WCW programming but it was around the time and I got the internet and started my smart mark wanker phase, seeing four guys so I'd only read about as being totally awesome wrestlers jumping ship to the King WWE I was over the fucking moon with excitement and uh, Ian86 on the UK fanform says The Radicals a group consisting of the current WCW champion a vanilla midget and his three <laughs> mid card mates similar to Jericho the intrigue was about how they were going to be handled on arrival would the champ break off or would they be held together as a group and was Perry Saturn really on the level of the others the answer being yes of course and how dare you suggest otherwise he says um, but yeah so The Radicals the David The Radicals appearing in the crowd uh, after uh, leaving WCW high and dry, and uh, beating the shit out of the Outlaws. Was this? Did they wrestle on the first show? No. So they they wrestled on SmackDown the following uh, show and got slaughtered. No. Oh, they went three and oh, oh, and three. <laughs> oh, sorry. And uh, when was the was it f- ten man match? Ten man match was, was the that following that, week. They got healed. They, they went healed the next week on Raw
2: and then they had that ten man. So that was sloppy as shit.
0: Oh, the, the execution of the whole thing was sloppy. Yeah. As ball,
2: so. Um. Yeah, execution not great. Obviously, match quality. Uh, that 10 I was fucking blistering if I remember oh, correctly yeah. obviously the poor old Eddie doing his elbow in didn't help didn't help um, it was more yeah.
0: it was supposed to be like 1-1 one, one, and then they were going to do a tie finish with Benoit and Triple H and when Eddie blew his elbow he called he changed the finish in the ring Eddie did and so that they would beat him because he knew he was injured he's panicked apparently so then they just on the fly decide well it's that Triple H beat Benoit as well as opposed to doing the logical thing of Benoit wins so at least one of
2: them does <laughs> that's how badly this got fucked up that is fucking it's frustrating and <laughs> nonsense well, why Eddie why he, he, says, he says it was panic panic and he's probably trying to make a good impression didn't be? oh no that's, just, that's so wrong <laughs> that's, that's frustrating that is because that's like yeah how different that was grand scheme of things were they going to turn them heel anyway who knows who knows um, it was just I think more though very similar again similar sentiments to the Jericho thing um, not so much like making these guys fucking stars like because personality wise they weren't on Jericho's level but in terms of talent obviously oh you know. yeah so, so okay let's see if we get uh, a bit of a it, it was exciting because we're going to get some, these fucking super talented guys who, I've, who we know are ace yeah again guys struggling to be showcased maybe they'll be showcased maybe something like who knows what's going to happen yeah. but it's just going to make our show much better now that's other well, fucking shows sinking so um, yeah as well excited mm, completely bamboozled by the 3 and 0 yeah even more bamboozled now <laughs> said that, uh, and a little bit frustrated by it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the in terms of the day, just them kind of walking into the into the front row of the cracks, we knew they were coming. Yeah, and then of course they all they all jumped the barricade. I lo- I thought this is going to be awesome. They're treating these guys like just the invading outsiders. This could be awesome. The matches they could do, and then of course we saw we saw happens on SmackDown. I remember a friend of mine who was watching the uh, rest of the time. The, the next uh, the next time I saw him, I guess it'd be the Monday after SmackDown aired over here. After I'd been bigging up, yeah. You know, oh my God, these guys are coming from WCW. then are zero and three, and my mate comes in the next day at school and is like, "Those guys are shit."
2: Yeah, I think as well as is it, yeah, it going to be a game changer. Especially we have a lump of guys coming in like that. Yeah, they're do something different. They're in the crowd. Like, this is different. They're going to shake things up. It's you know the NWO thing as much as you know WCW frustrated immensely by that point. And that was still. Fucking awesome introductory angle of you know the outsiders coming in, so you got that that element there where sort of what they're going to do with this, and but quickly they get assimilated into the, the WF paradigm, whatever you want to call it.
1: The debut gets gets tainted to an extent because we get the yeah, we get the bums rush so quickly with SmackDown.
2: <laughs> oh, Danny, back to one wolves.
1: Yeah, speaking of getting the bums rush, um, <laughs> we we get it so quickly with what happens on SmackDown, and then e- even though you get the 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 10 man on Raw which we've talked about in other podcasts you're right Liam, it's not long before they're assimilated and by the time you get to Wrestlemania they're against Too Cool and China and losing <laughs> and losing <laughs> or, or at least three of the four are anyway so yeah. it's so I always think that's sort of that's that's tainted their debut a bit now but I must I was a bit out of the loop at the time I didn't realise they'd left
0: oh ok I so wasn't aware you just so, saw them so when, when, when I just saw them you know
1: Eyes oh, nearly popped out of my popped out of my skull. Like, Jesus! What Nitro managed to save themselves the the, the night after the pay per view by doing Sid Na- Sid and Nash.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then the week after it was Sid versus one of the Harris brothers, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Boy. N- nicely played, Mike Graham You fucking idiot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was absolutely um, dumbstruck seeing them in the crowd, and then also while you think about that symbolism of the fact that. Jesus Christ, the BCW must be really going to hell in a the handbasket. These four guys have just rocked up on the one night. <laughs> <laughs> the shit really has hit the fan so in that been that happened? Yeah. yeah. yeah so so all, all these things are in play. So, so you are really excited. And I do like the introduction for that one night, Jumping the Rail. I mean, it, it literally takes years for the... Well, Saturn and Malenko never really did find their footing. He, even if Malenko could have his odd entertaining moment as the uh, James Bondesque <laughs> ladies' man. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it took it took Benoit and Guer- Guerrero I think literally you know, m- months if not years to properly find their foot in I mean yeah, the, the, right, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie guy, you know. yeah yeah it, and Benoit he, was he, always
0: he, used at a level above the rest anyway oh, he, so. he
1: was he was um probably maybe stems a bit from the fact that he at least left as the, the champion i imagine yeah i mean yeah, a, few, um, a
0: few months into his run i mean you yeah, know six months into his run he's feuding mm-hmm. with a rock for the world title on paper you're doing a better buy rate mm-hmm. than uh, the rock and triple h did at judgment day so mm-hmm. benoit was he got I, over it, it,
1: they did maybe maybe it's maybe my hopes then i'll say as opposed to expectation what where i where i was hoping they would be positioned particularly benoit and, and eddie it's it's years for me until we're we're where I want them to be I suppose <laughs> I suppose that's, that's the best way I could describe it
0: uh, Power Butchie on the UK fan forum says most underwhelming, mine is simple and all encompassing, any hyped up one in TNA, 2002 to <laughs> present <laughs> nothing like the times they say a former world champion is coming here to TNA and you get Al Snow, Raven or Shane Douglas, the latter two being seemingly over and over again so TNA debuts in general when they big them up that it's a former Darius star. Aaron Rex being the latest Aaron Rex <laughs> A-Rex
2: A-Rex It's fucking TNA
0: Well <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that we need to come up with a masterful argument here But, but, but this is the pattern I mean they did it with they did it with everybody Where they bring them in And they treat them like a little big star
2: And they should put them over the air yeah. Which interestingly It's something about off topic It is off topic But TNA in danger of this now With Oh my god This guy's been a world champion all over the world Oh yeah Everyone Yeah Everyone yeah. Now he's here Wow Hardly free agent this week yeah um, not
0: exactly when Angle's uh,
2: debut uh, was
0: announced <gasps> yes
2: that oh shit I'm using that as my favourite debut you know, for, for that, that video the video what, when, when was it Liam uh, No
0: Surrender 2006
2: <laughs> No Surrender 2006 yeah there dragged the girlfriend through queuing for four hours getting for free TNA
1: <laughs> how are things with her these days oh, I haven't spoke to her for about eight years
2: <laughs> <laughs> thanks for asking <laughs> and that's a shoot thanks for asking um, <laughs> but it wasn't DNA that broke the camel's back
0: (laughs) don't say that let's 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 that lie it's DNA you
2: ruined everything It killed
0: careers
1: (laughs) killed
2: relationships Uh, I was like yeah so I'm going to talk about this now yeah it's a pretty good show I think it was a good it was a good six man there was a it's,
0: Ultimate X match with LEX. Uh,
2: yeah, it was AJ and Daniels against LEX. Yeah, God, that was great. that was a really damn good match. Fantastic match. match. Um, and then end of the show, the fucking angles, the, the the video plays, the music hits, and then when he when he, his face comes into shot, I can't even hear what was. I think he says it's, it's real. It's real. Yeah, couldn't hear that because that place absolutely lost its shit, and it is the most emotional, fucking jacked up crowd, wrestling crowd I've ever been in. It was like, it was like a f- being at a football match When your team scores Yeah Like probably Like the Wolves away fans were Just when we went 2-1 Up against Birmingham <laughs> <laughs> um, It was like pr- True emotion Excitement That Jesus Christ Kurt Angle And that was from those guys that I, I guess most of them Went for free Every week Of course Every two weeks Whenever it was um, So they going get to see Kurt Angle And it's like pr- True emotion It was it was fantastic So to be there for that was like That's why I wouldn't say No, no I was going to say TNA's got a place in my heart <laughs> They, they don't. <laughs> but that one night was good.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> to one that we had to get to at some point in this podcast. Welp on wrestlingpod.com says The Shockmaster. From the falling over to Booker asking who is this motherfucker, to Sid saving the whole segment in his own inimitable way, uh, me and my son still watch it occasionally and laugh ourselves stupid. So uh, The Shockmaster Typhoon, tugboat, Fred Ottman, falling flat in his ass.
2: <laughs> if ever you needed uh, proof positive. Uh, that uh, a good way to make yourself look an absolute cunt is to fall on your ass. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I only, I like this, I only love this even more
0: for Jesse Ventura after the fact. <laughs> Just cannot hold it together and he's like, what a debut for the Shopmaster! <laughs> and Vicky Steamboat's walking down the aisle with his, with his fire thing, and he's, yeah, he he breeds the fire, and Giovanni's putting over how spectacular he is, and, and Ventura's like, yeah, we're full of spectacular entrances in WCW! <laughs> <laughs> it's not, he's not even going to pretend that he's, like, pissing himself under the table. Well, could any of them hold it together, really? Oh, David, but, yeah, you can hear, you can hear Colonel Parker
1: go, <laughs> Oh, Lord,
0: flatten his fucking
1: ass. You know, if it wasn't someone as horrifically useless as old uh, Tugboat Typhoon, I might have some sympathy for him. I have no sympathy for him. But, but, but the fact that it's Tugboat and Typhoon renders that point
0: completely moot. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that he didn't trip over through the wall. The guy bursting through the through the wall, wearing jeans, a fur coat, and a stormtrooper helmet. Go. That's with, been
1: glitterified.
0: Yes, with the Ollie Anderson, Black Scorpion voice we'd still be talking about him on the show I think even if he hadn't fallen flat in his fucking arse <laughs> yes we would but not with as much comedy <coughs> Smelly Meatball on TPWW says Tenzai uh, WWE tried to make it seem like a big deal that Albert was coming back but the whole thing felt underwhelmed when he arrived instead of being someone cool he was just a stereotypical Japanese type gimmick and WWE lost interest in him very quickly and a pantsless Yoda on the F4W board says the way they built up Tenzai I thought he would be awesome until he actually debuted
2: None. <laughs> None of you have ever seen Albert before.
0: Well, I guess this is the thing. Again, he did have the stigma of having improved, as, as we've mentioned before. I uh, was never... Wrong. Being, yeah, wrong.
1: Completely wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, <clears throat> it's just eight and three eights in pants.
0: Yes. Red, shiny ones that are way too tight for a man that big. I did see his, de- I did see his reintroduction against uh, R-Truth live uh, after WrestleMania 28. I was there for that, so I was very privileged. And... Uh, do, do, do you see that? Yeah, yeah, let's put it this way. Brock Lesnar returned on that show. <laughs> Ten debuted on that show. One of those I'll remember forever. <laughs> they, they did try with him initially as well, didn't they? Oh, no, they, they tried oh, hard. They, they, didn't they put him over Cena? Put him over Cena, they had him pin punk when he was champ. They were planning on having uh, him against Cena for the title at uh, SummerSlam, I think was the idea. Or him punk at SummerSlam for the belt, to come a bit. They had really, really high hopes, and of course it fell through. Hideous. <laughs> I don't really want to <laughs> analyze it more than that, to be honest. No. Although, actually, this tie into this one too. Condor from T- uh, sorry, The Condor. Excuse me, sir. Uh, TPWW form says, The Club. I heard so much for months about these guys, and all they do is show up and beat guys up from the crowd for a few weeks, which is basic debut device in wrestling. And then they proceed to suck on the mic and leech AJ Styles' heel heat. They're average in the ring and they're lackluster on the mic, and as someone who saw some of their Japan stuff and was aware of them, I was exceedingly underwhelmed by their debut and the follow-up. So, Carl, we were talking about this, uh, off-air shortly. <laughs> yeah. About how, much like Tenzai, you feel that uh, Mr Gallows had been given the reputation of having improved drastically in Japan and you do not uh, agree with this assessment. No, he he certainly falls into this category I'm
1: not what you would call a religious watcher of New Japan by any means, I I tend to just watch individual matches that either yourself or or other people have recommended to him or go out on my way to try and find them and and watch them and you know, 99.9% of the time I'm I'm often glad I did Uh, but I can't say I'd watched much of... um, Gallo since he'd gone to Japan, but I'd heard sort of chatter and, and that sort of thing. In your defence, Liam, not from you. No, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you a pass on I, this one. I think I outright said, um, I think the
0: people who are expecting him to come yeah. in and be this great worker all of a sudden but are going to be very sorry. He was always mm. the guy that dragged down matches in, in like the G one climax.
1: Yeah, but I, but, I'd, but I'd, I'd, I'd heard this suggestion that he, he'd improved greatly, and no. I don't, I don't, I don't see the improvement from biscuits and gravy. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> It's just you know it's it's the same guy. Yes, he's portrayed more seriously than Festus or you know, Fake Kane, but oh, I don't. I just. Oh, I, that's a day. <laughs> yeah. that is. But I but I just said I thought I just I just don't see this improvement at all. I, I don't know what other people were talking about. We talk about um, how the radicals were quickly assimilated. Gallows and Anderson now with these skits on roll with the New Day, they're they're just another team. <laughs> that being said I think they're going to win on Sunday yeah. I think they'll win at some time but at this I don't, point I don't mind this point, team I, I like d- Anderson I don't, I I don't, like, I don't I like yeah I've, I've got nothing against Anderson I don't, yeah, and, and if, Gallows if, is and funny if, when he's left it, his own devices and if, too and if you're going to have Gallows in there you know, yeah have him as part of a team where you can where you can hide certain weaknesses but you know just the way they're portrayed now and and even even prior to that they were already slipping into that sense of the 50-50 booking oh, when, they yeah. were, when they were with Styles so there's you know there's whilst I'd I like Anderson and I've got issues with Gallo just generally they're <laughs> nothing special they don't stand out they are just part of the furniture already
0: uh, yeah I was never a big Bullet Club fan to be honest I always thought they were a bit of a fucking blight on New Japan programming so I, I don't know why people were so excited at the prospect Ooh. of the Bullet Club being in WWE because there's people
2: would probably never fucking see. oh me. that's
0: exactly what it is the people you've upset I. Uh, you know what yeah, bring it on <laughs> I don't care <laughs> Uh, Fragilex on TPWW, cause it had to be mentioned. It's got to be Kane! I was young. The story had built awesome along. Finally, Hell in a Cell comes, and at the end, of uh, the most amazing match I'd ever seen, this giant red beast comes to the ring. He delivered the sickest tombstone ever, and my favourite wrestler got the pin. Uh, the intrigue had already been built from an awesome storyline that was followed perfectly with a great program that more or less culminated at WrestleMania, but ended up continuing in one way or another for over a decade. And don't we know it? Uh, Ted Kurtz on F4W says, Kane, I was a bit of a mark at age 10. Like the rest of the show, was fake, but not this Crazy monster that had just shown up. (laughs) Uh, When he was... When he was in the next video game I had a, I am very smart moment and started prophesizing to anyone who would listen that oh no, this proves it's all fake! Why would they put a crazy guy that doesn't work for them in their video game? And also S Doyle Grange on the Facebook page says no matter how poorly booked he would go on to be in his nearly 20 years in the character, Kane has to be my pick. After months of anticipation to debut in the climax of the first ever Hell in a Cell cemented Kane as a major league threat from the start and didn't hurt that his debut came at the tail end of an instant classic. He's an essential piece of the story, the match told and the fallout that would impact the company forever. If Kane doesn't interfere, Undertaker wins. No HBK versus Hart. No Montreal screw job. No evil vs. McMahon. I'm not sure if any other debut has ever been more impactful. And unlike a lot of others, it wasn't just in the debut. The follow up for this was very well done, with the uh, random <coughs> lights out tombstonings for uh, for months. Yeah,
1: I so suppose unlike the uh, the glacier effect with the blue lights, the, the sort of the, the the red hue, if you like, during you know sort of his, his initial phase was was something different and it just it just worked in, in a way that it didn't for glacier for many reasons. Um everyone knows my views on Kane but I but I will I will readily admit that you know his initial introduction was nothing short of brilliant. Spectacular. Uh, yeah uh, and you know, and, it, and it helps it helps for me that association with the Cell match which was a a, a classic
0: match as well but it's it it is the perfect introduction. And it wasn't even like you sometimes get when you have a great match and then the interference happens and you're like,
2: ugh. Actually, it felt fitting, you know, cause it was so well done. It was built for so long. Sorry to interrupt you uh. Yeah, the fact it was built for so long, it was like real. there was anticipation. Was it real? Mm. You know, was it just bullshit? Was, you know, was it was it, the story going to go in some other direction with, with Baron? Yeah. yeah.
0: Is it going to be Papa Shonga like they originally yeah. planned? So, 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 <laughs>
2: been, yeah, it had been prefaced and foreshadowed for a long time, so when it Guys dying, it's a big setting in a unique environment. The unique setting of the first hell, the first cell match as well. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff, and he helped Sean win. So thanks, game
1: Yeah, but it, it, it's those little things. It's like, like having him rip the door off the cell, and um, the fact that he's he, he does appear bigger than Taker as well, whilst not being immobile in the way that Giant Gonzalez was. So, <laughs> yeah, but those those sort of things all help the sort of overall presentation. and yeah, having him just you know, come out and kill some nobodies for a few weeks. You know, to, just, to, just to build up the momentum. <laughs> if we could get through one podcast, <laughs> just one podcast, hey, it's not my without, without the suggestion of Kane... I would die a less unhappy man.
0: <laughs> uh, LP on Pro Wrestling Only also says, Creepiness was also a huge part of the appeal of the Goldust vignettes to me. Love the music, loved the super bizarre promos and Dustin's delivery, with the shots of Hollywood on green screens. Probably to this day my all-time favourite vignettes, and yet I realise Vince Russo had quite a bit to do with them. No, he didn't. Did he? Risa didn't have anything to do with Goldust. That's on 95 when he was in the magazine. Yeah, he
2: was Vic Venom
0: still. Yeah, he was, he was writing that awful piece about the fucking King of the Ring <laughs> 95. Yeah, f- fuck you, Risa. You yeah, ain't taking take any credit for that. Um, uh, let's say the debut left me a bit puzzled. The robe and wig was great, but Dustin's work wasn't very impressive at first. Really, Goldust didn't click on TV before Marlena came around. Then it was a winner. Finally, some glamour back on TV. Actually, I think it was the uh, the the, uh, the gay fume with Razor that really kind of yeah, gave, gave him Razor. traction right before Marlena came back at the Rumble. But uh, in terms of vignettes... Very interesting ones, but they actually had a knack for doing some pretty interesting ones around this time. I remember LP actually mentioned in his post the Wayland Mercy ones, which uh, I was a big fan of the Wayland ones too. Yeah, that was because that was a, that was a playoff um, De Niro
1: and Cape Fear, wasn't yeah. it? R- really interesting. Again, there's a sort of a creepy element to to the Wayland Mercy. You know um, what I mean? Vignettes. And, and the same, I, I, I quite I found as a, as a kid, I found Gold Dust a bit creepy. To be honest, that, that's before the raise of it. Just the introductory bits were a bit bit unsettling to me it's just a shame with the of the Mercy ones that it's um, unfortunately
0: that it's Dan, Dan Spivey at the end of the day
1: it's Dan Spivey and it's a Dan Spivey whose
0: body's just completely broken down already yeah. so yeah I just look, you know, the, the, the happy smile and the shaking everyone's hand and stuff like that and then going psycho and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's an interesting character there. But um, AJS on Pro Wrestling Only with another nomination here says I remember being intrigued when Alberto Del Rio made his WWE debut. If Henry Service's first match was against Rey Mysterio and I was very impressed with his heel work and timing in that match. I thought I was watching a major star of the future. Of course, most people look great if they're working with Rey and he never lived up to my expectations going forward but it was a fine debut. And annoyed on TPWW forum also says Alberto Del Rio for whatever reason comes immediately to mind for this. I really didn't like the original vignettes, I thought they were a bit cliched and it was hard uh, to get me to believe this guy would be a big deal in a hurry. Then on the week before his debut they spliced them all together in a more aggressive way to some music that sounded more urgent and I thought to myself, hold on this guy's meant to kick ass. Then he debuted against Mysterio. My memory might not be photographic on this but I seem to remember Rey going for a move off the top rope and Del Rio hit his ninja run in Zagiri knocking Rey to the mat. Del Rio then seemingly relaxed knowing he had Mysterio where he wanted him, winked before putting on the cross arm breaker. It was a good Start. strong but surprisingly subtle Del Rio felt like he belonged in the main event mix right away and there was still something surprising about it uh, it was just a shame the way things went after that so Del Rio who may not be long for the world of WWE and no one around this table is going to cry but in terms of introduction did anybody take casting aside the, uh, the sentiments we all have about old Bertie now uh, what did everyone think when he
2: first came along just before we do it's 3-1 ho oh, ho Del Boy <laughs> <laughs> I can't I think I don't know I can't remember really it's, it's, it, Del Rio seems so samey for so long that's the trouble he ne- we said phrases that he never got past the first month of development of a character no I've had, I'm sure I've had moments when I thought he was alright mm. but he's so boring yes that everything's kind of mixed into it like this kind of cornucopia Oof. of of um, I'm trying to think of the word but I'm so unenthused Del <laughs> Rio I can't even think of the word Kieran stay awake <laughs> Carl slap him if you have to He's
0: about about to anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Del, Carl Del Rio I mean what was your, your, your gut instinct when this guy first came on because I but I remember when they were doing the Del Rio so they, they did it where they, they played it on the video and they'd shown from the crowd and I people know. yeah I hate that because it, it completely takes you out of it and it just felt boring anyway even those vignettes felt fairly boring
2: why are they showing us the crowd watching a video
0: yeah can we watch the video it's, it's a difficult one because
1: I in the weeks leading up to his debut I hadn't seen the vignettes so my my first um Sort of sight of sighting if you like of, of del rio was was the debut match itself and having him beat ray and me thinking jesus christ who the hell is this no mark that's just beat ray <laughs> and then you know the weeks and months went by and i found him to be dull as dishwater i i i must i i soured on del rio very quickly and found him very boring <laughs> <laughs> i guess this is one Which, you know it's, it's, his promos you know it it doesn't go up an octave or down an octave it's all just very much the same oh god he's so boring so, so boring.
0: Well, let's see if these vignettes had any more impact. Vito Cruz on TPW TPWW Forum says, Muhammad Hassan and Khosrow Davari's very first vignette made me sit up it was surreal seeing a wrestling character openly talk about the stereotypes and prejudice that he was facing after 9-11. I just figured that stuff like that would be off limits even for Vince simply because of the controversy it was bound to bring. In spite of the Hassan character making valid points, I knew there was no chance that the average American wrestling audience was going to cheer for him. So in a way, a lot of my intrigue leading to my debut was me thinking there was no possible way this will end well, is there? Uh, obviously, once you debut, what we got was a character so memorable that people still talk about it 11 years later, despite him only existing on TV for seven or eight months. It's harder to talk about because they actually Sky chopped off his debut vignette to us. We didn't see it because he said "praise a lot" at the end, which no one, which they didn't, they weren't fucking having that. <laughs> so Sky cut it off. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's all ironic given the
1: um, the political atmosphere at the time. If you like that, a lot of the things that made air in the in the US like those vignettes and the things that you wouldn't necessarily expect would would make air given the the climate of the time were actually shown in full over there but cut over here and obviously we had we had this the same instances with um when it coincided with the the seven seven bombing yeah. in london and when we had we had stuff cut then for for obvious reasons but it, it is a jarring one in in the sense of again it, it's something that you you think is going to be a, a taboo subject that the you know, sort of thing that they, they despite obviously having a, a a track record with sort of golf oil, that sort of thing, you, you, you wouldn't expect them to go anywhere near, you know they wouldn't touch that sort of thing with a 10 foot barge pole, you know, think of sponsors and all that sort of thing, and all the sort of people you could run the risk of alienating, upsetting you know, you'd think they'd, they'd avoid it like the plague and yet they still go with it but you almost get that sort of that split second if you like, where it's not it's not going to be your typical sort of cartoon villains in the sense of the content of the promo is about the way he suffered at the, the or perceived suffering because of perceptions of of people from the middle east in america so you think okay i'm not really sure how to take this but at, at least there's sort of more of a multifaceted layer if you like as opposed to the car, the cartoon foreigner of the iron sheik for example or the bolsheviks you know just to give you that, that sort of comparison and then it just it quickly devolves into he now is just being portrayed as an evil foreigner to the point of the camel clutch with the with the finger slit across the throat sort of thing. You think, oh no, this is all just, and, and this is far past the point. Of, you know, we can say that we were younger and we not didn't necessarily get the full context of Sergeant Slaughter and the the Iraq war and all that sort of thing. By, by, <laughs> the, by this time, we absolutely do, and it's just. I Very reading,
0: uncomfortable. I remember reading the the, uh, the report of the angle that eventually got the Hassan character canned. Obviously, the uh, the attack on the Undertaker with all the terrorists coming out. And when it was just, we just reading it on the, and the spoilers, like they a bunch of mass terrorists came out and choked him with the piano wire. It's like that is an awful idea. Yeah. the idea of Ted Dibiase. <laughs> it's
2: um. Yeah. Oh, it,
1: oh, the idea of Dibiase. Yeah, he
2: yeah, was his Who, this.
1: If I'm not mistaken, by that point DiBiase's DiBiase's found God and he's born again. Yes.
2: Yeah. And it- but it was the wrong God? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting take on the on, on the, you know, the xenophobic gimmick that you yeah, know, yeah. he's a uh, fuck you for thinking we're all the same kind of thing.
0: But, and then he proves that he is. But then he proves
2: that he is. <laughs> but yeah. But it's like it's that's you see that's where the okay they're they're conscious that it's gonna be we want to do it we know we're gonna get shit for it but let's be clever about it. Yeah. Let's do it in a politically correct way until it goes unpolitically correct because that's where they wanted to go anyway. Yeah. Um,
0: it's kind of the reverse of any of that Jack Swagger Del Rio stuff where it was basically a racist gimmick where you know the uh, you know anti anti foreigner thing, hmm. but they were so fucking aimed about how he's going to look that they did that that video where Zeb Coulter saying I'm Wayne Keown and uh, this is Jake Hagar and we're playing characters to incite your feelings and it's like oh you just fucking killed this thing. They didn't do it here. And I guess that's, this is why, the, opposite, the, opposite, yeah, the shoes on the other foot name are getting the character canned. Andrew Coyne on the UK fan form with another one that was uh, very uh, heavily talked about at the time. Sean O'Hare, I was utterly intrigued with this character and his concept. I've always liked the idea of a devil's advocate sort of character. Not only is it a springboard for his own views, but effectively could be used to supply a logical plot device as to why certain characters do certain things. Imagine for example that he was the one that whispered into Bradshaw's ear that he needed to turn to JBL and split it from Farouk always the guy that whispered into Lesnar's ear that you should do something about Goldberg and eliminate him from the Rumble. After all, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Then he debuted, got saddled with Piper, feuded with Rikishi, and a real-time waste out of a feud. Shame. And then Lionel Clark on the Facebook page says, I'm unsure if this counts, but I was looking forward to the Sean O'Hare, Devil's Advocate gimmick. Then they stuck him with Piper and completely killed the potential that character had. The premise before were great, and the introduction was a letdown. So, uh, O'Hare's gimmick. Oh, this, is always, this is like one of the ones that always seems to come up when people talk about missed opportunities and things that could have been. The Sean O'Hare here based on on some very well put together vignettes it it is
1: one that i've seen crop up on on countless message boards in the past and discussions now tp WWE forum i think i'm sure it's appeared on the uh, f4w online plenty of times as well it, it does seem to be one of those that uh, tends to crop up quite frequently they they were very well done vignettes it, it was a difficult one for me in the sense that obviously i we'd all seen sean o'hare before whether it was wcw or the brief stint he had when the invasion angle first one before he was sent down to ovw or HWA. i can't remember which one he went to but before he was sent away to developmental anyway so there's there's a bit of intrigue but i I always had this problem of this is
0: sean o'hare you know what you're getting uh, yeah, I've kind of, people still have that kind of I've optimistic kind of thing insight. about him though at the time mm. you know people thought he could be something because he you was know, the big athletic guy well he, he, he was
1: uh, yeah don't get me wrong he wasn't mm. some sort of slob or anything he, he was an athletic guy had a good look obviously always thought he did a better swanton than Jeff Hardy which will probably get me some hate somewhere um, but generally speaking I was always always a bit sceptical and maybe that, that played a part in the way I perceived it at the time um even so at the piper association i don't think did him any favours at all and i've got i've got nothing against roddy piper at all but there's supposed to be this sort of this edginess to the character and then he's put with roddy piper who looks pregnant and it just <laughs> ancient too yeah the hip replacements he's had are showing in the way he moves and it just appears to walk like he's an old man and it just it it sort of it it doesn't help you try and suspend any element of disbelief when you, when you're looking at Sean here at the time. But th- there was some interest there, but uh, quickly dissipated from my perspective.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think putting him against Rikishi in that view that was a kiss of death Cause Rikishi, oh, that, was, that was that was yeah,
1: because Rikishi by that point you can certainly say. The bloom for Rikisha <laughs> was completely off the rose.
0: Not only that, but this is that thing as well where it's just like, ah, there's certain guys that you just can't put in there with guys to make them look, yeah, to make other guys look better. Kane's another one, you know. You put Kane in there with a new guy, it doesn't really get the new guy over that much. Yeah, this this isn't the same as putting Kurt
1: Angle or. <laughs> or Kurt Angle. This isn't the same as putting John Cena or. Brian Kendrick in with Kurt Angle during their introductory phases
2: I was optimistic at the start with the, the opening vignettes were different and cool and I did like O'Hare from I think I saw him live once when they were over here in yeah, two and, and I like Big Short I don't know I'm a big proponent of youth development um, so I'm screaming um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> logistically how is this gimmick that looks great in these little vignettes how does that play out Transfer to a live performer, even backstage segments. It's like the the ability of a performer to like act to get that gimmick over, like the cool, you know, devil's advocate, whatever it is, person in your ear, a little devil on your shoulder. To get that over is like a person, and not can be very fucking Mordecai. Yeah, it's like that's just such a tough ask, and that doesn't that's so that transition from vignettes to live performer doesn't always work. That was a well. tough one. Yeah
0: yeah that's a, that is a tough one um, Vastadakai on TPWW says Ahmed Johnson yes I'm being serious he was hyped up as a member of the main event of Survivor Series 95 but all we got at first was a picture and his name then at the end of an episode of Raw as Yoko Zuno is laying waste to Razor the Kid and I think Shawn Michaels out comes Ahmed he stands behind Yoko no one knows what he's gonna do Yoko turns around and Ahmed slams him I was sold if he wasn't constantly injured he would have been WWF champion <laughs> but he was
1: <laughs> yeah the old, the old ifs and buts springs to my but. I don't doubt for a second that um, that was Vince's intention. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, but you know, coming off the coming off the gold dust field, I don't think it would have been. I don't think it would have been long, for example, before Vader was doing the job to Ahmed on a pay per view. No, I think that would have been round the corner.
0: Yeah. Um, no, that, but this was a good first impression, though. I like this. One.
1: It, it was, and, and and some people could sit there and try and argue that I say so he's only doing what what Luger had done. Oh, to. As, as Bobby Heenan said, that
0: was a hip toss. Yeah, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> very true and you know Bobby's as honest as the day is long <laughs> but it's even so you t- you still didn't see Yokozuna slammed very often you didn't see him thrown around at all and you know Johnson had a good look by this point he hadn't you know consumed himself in food <laughs> you know and his neck hadn't collapsed into his chest
0: his tights weren't up his ass.
1: <laughs> his tights weren't quite up his arse and he didn't—he didn't seem to have about six piercings in each ear. Yeah. Um, see, I—I uh, I, I, I won't lie. When he debuted, I was on the Ahmed Johnson bandwagon, very briefly. <laughs> Soon jumped off it when the wheels literally started to come off. <laughs> but uh, but no, they, I was I was excited for his for his debut, and obviously they they to hammer that point home at Survivor Series where you. Know, you do the slam again look it's no fluke this this guy's legitimate and he's on the team that survives mm.
0: Uh, Kaz Hayashi, in the UK fan form says Neville. Uh, now, I'm not going to claim to be best pals with him or anything, daft like that, but I've met him a few times outside of wrestling. <laughs> through fringe friends, acquaintances, and music nights and the like in Newcastle, he seemed like a sound lad. So his development has always been of interest to me. I first met him when he was playing his trade in the northeast and at the time, it was easy to see he had the potential to be great. Fast forward a number of years later, and he has become a bit of a UK darling due to his work with the touring Dragon Gate. It was inevitable that he was going to get the call up to the main show. However, this was filled with intrigue and a worry about the insane rumor that Vince was going to put a mighty mouse mask on him to hide his ears and silence him so his Geordie twang couldn't, ca- couldn't cause children to cry out of sheer confusion the time came the time trial depicted a meteor crashing into the earth with a verbal count and high octane electronica music pumping through the PA the moment had finally come to find out if Vince had in fact turned one of the world's most exciting prospects into a giant cartoon mouse no there he is we can see his ears all is fine with the world I feel he deserves a repackage of sorts his gimmick isn't really getting the following I'd have hoped for hopefully something will come for him in the near future especially following his absence so Neville I guess is the uh intriguing in the sense of you feared the worst and then he just comes up as himself
2: was it Raw debut I guess yep, yep. that was um into oh, the axe man I thought, that <laughs> I thought was, yeah I thought it was cool that with the fucking meteor and stuff and the yeah he it wasn't a mice so yeah that was a bummer because that would be funny <laughs> um but I'm intrigued that, yeah, he's... Personal connection. Personal connection, yeah. He's, he's big enough up the, the debut, but then he's thinking needs to change, so...
0: I'll <laughs> I, I, I was just bring back... You mentioned Dragon Gate there. I was just thinking <laughs> yeah. about a, a, a <laughs> beautiful memory from, from our trip to the, the first time Dragon Gate came to the UK. And, of course, Pac is, is in the main event in a six-man. Uh, and I just... I just If you watch that tape back, you can actually hear it. There is there are a bunch of people <laughs> in the second row who, as they introduce Pac yeah everyone gets the big cheer for Britain's own pack and then as the cheers simmer down you can hear one voice leaning forward going you suck and that's old man Jones <laughs> <laughs> so please share your enthusiasm for Neville's debut I, Carl. Um,
1: I wondered if you were going to reference this <laughs> that's why um, I read it <laughs> uh, I, can, I can understand if, if, if you're if you're a fan of Neville that, wo- that worry about sort of the mighty mouse or Mask and all that sort of thing being being a concern, particularly again, not so much even trying to hide the Geordie twang, but just his height and Vince and the perception of Vince with someone who's small and you know, the the way that Vince generally treats those people. And we saw it on Raw this week when he was called a Hobbit. Oh yeah. So so his so his treatment hasn't exactly been uh, been blinding, frankly. Um. Yeah. Uh, I I'd be lying if I ever claimed to be the biggest fan. In the multi- I, I will say this much I think his style has toned down quite a bit from when we saw him in Dragon Gate and what I'd seen prior to that because before that any any match I'd seen he was literally just m- maybe not to the ricochet Will Ospreay level but for me every match I'd seen him in it was just a spot monkey not a selling with no, no selling and no psychology and I just I couldn't understand the, the fandom I'm not, I'm not going to claim that you know people were fainting in the streets at the sight of him and girls were weeping just to get near him or anything but <laughs> but, <crazy>. he, <laughs> but he but he clearly had a following of, of sorts and, and I, I never really understood it so he's it, it's a hard one to quantify to talk about his debut without acknowledging <laughs> the general view of him prior to it it's, it's difficult, um, I would say I personally think he's better now than he was then, mm. I'm, not, I'm not saying the company have treated him particularly well but then by the same token there are certain things you expect in this company or that the company expects of their wrestlers and he doesn't generally have the look they like, he's not going to cut good 20 minute promos which That's again a are a prerequisite, yeah. Yeah. he's not the most charismatic guy, he, he might be a nice guy outside of wrestling. I don't know, but he's not the most charismatic person in the world is he? No. So all, those, no. so all those sort of things go against him and you know that combined with my prior experiences let's say before the debut i, I can't claim that i'd looked on it and thought of it as a particularly exciting time to be alive or to be a, <laughs> ra- <laughs> or to be a wrestling fan and you know <laughs> you, you folks should know at my age Pretty much every day should be an exciting day to be alive. I don't have that many left.
0: On <laughs> uh, a wrap up here with a harmonic generator on the UK fan form who uh, sums it up by talking about vignettes. Uh, 2002 to 2004 were the years uh, for most of the intros that resonated with me, and it was, wasn't really seeing the wrestlers for the first time, but rather the vignettes. Loads of people got vignettes around that time, and for me they worked so well because I was a bit hyped to see each and every one of those guys, um, even when they turned out to be a bit shit. I never watched WCW, but I knew of their bigger names, so the vignettes played to introduce Rey Mysterio and Scott Stein their debuts had me totally hooked. I couldn't wait to see this incredible high flyer and the big bad booty daddy actually turn up. And in both cases their debut lived up to the hype. Rayon Smackdown's Star Survivor Series. I came with these guys from a different angle to a lot of people where these videos were my introduction and they sold the guys to me perfectly. There was a similar effect for people like Carlito Caribbean Cool, Nathan Jones and La Resistance. No idea who they were but their vignettes introduced me and made me interested to see what they'd actually do. He spits in people's faces. He's a maniac prisoner. They read the news in French I think. Uh, okay so some are more effective than others but you see my point and uh, it does go back to the uh, kind of recurring theme of vignettes a lot of people when they, when they hear the debut they, they, their mind traces back to these vignettes and they are starting to use these a lot more I think they could do a hell of a lot more with them and I, and I love I, debuts are like some of the, the best parts of wrestling sometimes when they're done when they're doing yeah. well the, the excitement it breeds and uh, I think kind of uh, ties in nicely to this entire topic yeah I think you know, again it's it sort of beats in a dead horse but I, I just think
1: vignettes I, I don't want to say they're crucial because you do get the odd example of someone who didn't have a vignette and and the debut works. Now, whether that's just something little like Raven appearing in the crowd as piquing an in, a bit of interest or Taker as the mystery um, partner on, on DiBiossi's time, there are examples where you don't need a rash of vignettes for it to work. I just generally think that without vignettes for someone, there's the potential for things to go wrong. You're almost putting them behind the eight ball immediately because you're having them just appear cold and then you've got to try and develop a background to them whilst they're out in front of the crowd who possibly aren't reacting anyway because they've been given no preconceived notions of what this person is about or anything like that so I just think I just think vignettes are an important part to just give new new talent or maybe repackage talent you know whatever the situation may be it's just a way of giving them a leg up I've always just found it far more interesting and sort of gets Gets more of a a reaction, or just gets generally more interest from me if there's a bit of an, a bit of a, a backstory to the person prior to them debuting.
2: Yeah, it depends on the situation, obviously. As you say, like the the Goldberg one didn't need it. No. Um, mm-hmm. The shield, you wouldn't want it because of the nature of the in anyway. Um, but for the you know, typically your mid cards with especially with gimmicks, yes. you, you want you want a little bit of. Uh, a bit of a preface just so people know the cues for the the guys, understand that halo heel face, maybe a mannerism, a catchphrase or something, or whatever. Just just had a bit of familiarity and anticipation um, and expectation from a guy. Uh, when they come out cold, you, without that, especially for mid car guys, with obviously it's going to be a gimmick because that's why you're having a fucking vignette, probably, yes. usually, in some respect, even if it's just not a gimmick, it's a guy's character, personality. Um, to do it cold, it's, it's just you're fighting uphill, as you say. Yeah, Not gonna sure? no. so yeah, you find a f- you find f- playing from behind the eight ball, or you, you you find uh, you run up the hill. <laughs> I'm think of Shawn Michaels now. Um, <laughs> so it's yeah, I mean it's it depends on the situation, but it's, c- it gives them a leg up, obviously.
1: Yeah, just, just I, I didn't want to try and interrupt you there, Kim, it was Just wanted a sense of just to get a sort of an add-on to that we, uh, to talk about an example that didn't help and I sort of referenced it briefly earlier, and a and mid guy, someone like a Steve Blackman. Who, let's be honest, is not a charismatic man. I know that will come as a newsflash to some people in the world. Um, and it is never what I would consider necessarily a polished worker. So you are Not thro- a polished Turk. <laughs> okay, you, you can't polish a Turk here, as I've discovered losing to Wolves today. Um, but no, you, you throw- are <laughs> But, you know, you. He was thrown out there cold. The crowd didn't take to him at all, and then he's put in the in front of the hostile crowd in Canada quickly after his Survivor Series, so he's just in he's in trouble from the start, you know. And then after the fact, they have to go to this idea of the lethal weapon, Steve Blackman, and this you know elaborating on his martial arts background. And I'm I'm not saying that any of this would have necessarily meant superstardom had they done it right away before he appeared. But I just think it would have been a, it would have given him a damn sight more of a chance than just to be sort of picked out of the crowd to run in and help Vader against Furness and LaFon and Jim the Anvil Nidheart
0: so with that said we have run the gauntlet of uh, as many of your uh, nominations and contributions as we have time for this week Uh, so if we didn't get to yours I apologise we did also have a lot of nominations for uh, people like China Rob Van Dam Bam Bam Bigelow CM Punk Ultimo Dragon uh, Giant Gonzalez Curtis Axel Psycho Sid Bobby Roode The Wyatts Sean Wattman Kazani and Nails uh, in the good good and bad category there so uh, very quickly before we wrap it up gentlemen your personal favourite best and worst your nominations for best and worst
2: uh, best I'll go Jezza okay uh, that's Jerry Flit um, of course Thunderfoot. yeah uh, Jericho and um, worst uh, Tenzai <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> alrighty Carl what
1: you got for us um, for worst I, I can't really look past the Shockmaster because as you say even if it didn't go down in wrestling you know infamy for the fall the whole <laughs> the whole get up and where they where they would have gone from that just you know, seems ridiculous on paper itself so can't look past the Shockmaster for that. I'm going to cop out a bit here and say I honestly can't think of a favourite one off the top of my head. Jer- Jericho is a good pick, but but I'm going to go for just one of the earlier ones I've I found a very interesting one, which is Nails. Yeah! Now, hideous in the ring? Absolutely. Do I want to see the nightstick on the pole match again? Not in my worst nightmares. As, as Sean
0: Mooney said, of discretion is advised. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> but the vignettes again of just that oh, horrific voice, that terrifying voice with the you know, prison cell gates shutting, all that sort of thing. And then the debut where he's pretty damn stiff on the boss man. He lays that stuff in and one of my sort of, earliest childhood me- childhood memories is that debut and having the copy of WDF magazine where it's got the stills of boss man's injuries. Yeah, yeah. So that's, it's one that's always stuck in me. I'm not sure I'd go as far as to say it's my favourite of all time, but I think an interesting one that deserved a mention.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna have to go Jericho ultimately as well for my personal favourite. Although a, a close second that wasn't mentioned was Kevin Ashton WCW in uh, oh, there. When Scott Hall had already come in and he'd mentioned his big surprise, and then of you know course. one of my early uh, you know moments of like I think that's gonna be Diesel because <laughs> I knew that Diesel had left as well. I was like I think that's gonna be Diesel. Oh my God, Razor and Diesel are coming in together. This is gonna be intrigue. You that's know, the intrigue of that to me was was pretty mm. awesome. So uh, that's a that's my height in terms of a low point an underwhelming one Uh, I'm actually going to go with one that did get nominated here which was The Wyatt Family because I I thought again vignettes for The Wyatts were were pretty awesome you have the potential to do all this interesting stuff and then like the debut is like you're beating up Kane it's like when, when Bray comes walking out after these weeks of intriguing vignettes there's like this this r- weird scream of like recognition from the audience like almost like a horror movie oh, yes, villain no. but when he comes walking out there's like this, this, this shriek like this female shriek it's just really overwhelming and then almost like by the time he's like made it to the end of the end the, at the end of the aisle the crowd's dead and like the lights come up and there's a beating up Kane. it's like ah oh, it's Kane. Oh. the beating up Kane. and then the fans chant Husky Harris because they're so oh, fucking so- clever it's like you fucking ruined what could have been awesome here. These vignettes were great and then when it came down to it, you kicked the balls out. So in terms of an underwhelming one, uh, first impression on the on the main show, the Wyatts take it from me. Because again, it started so well and it ended so drastically bad. So uh, Shockmaster, of course, also has to get a nomination from me, but... I want to thank everybody for listening this far I want to thank everybody for all the contributions on Facebook and on all the forums of course like we said next week here at SCG Radio we're heading back to court Uh, it is the trial of the Undertaker as myself and Old Man Jones take on uh, the defence of Kieran O'Rourke and Matt Holt Judge G. John Chase will preside uh, (laughs) on the charge of uh, misrepresentation of stature and fraud for his level of contribution uh, to the success of the company Uh, real debate about the Undertaker's worth true worth to the WWF Uh, it's going to be very interesting next week so I want to thank everybody one more time for Old Man Jones.
1: Adios amigos
2: and for Kim O'Rourke. So 3-1 call, we can do about it. You can do fucking nothing. That's what you're <laughs> gonna do about it. And I am
0: LeMon Rock, we'll see you again next week. Talk to you later!